0: So he's throwing all the coke out of the plane <laughs> and it's hitting houses and busting. And one guy's outside, and he's mo- he's uh, watering his lawn and he and the, and the kilo hits his shirt and it's all over, the coke busted. And the guy goes, what the fuck is that? <laughs> and I'm going, I'm going, yo, don't worry, I'll clean it up. <laughs> now I'm calling the police. I said, don't do that, don't do that. Let me clean it up. <laughs> You're out there with a fucking dustpan. I'm like, trying no, to clean it up. Shut up, leave it alone. The guy, the guy wouldn't, hey. This is,
1: without a doubt, the most absurd podcast we have recorded in this studio, and I don't think it's close. I'm not even going to give it a real intro because I won't do it justice. I am joined in the bunker today by a living legend, Mr. Louisa, who will keep your jaw on the floor, have you laughing the whole time, and has a story that if I sold it to a Hollywood studio, they'd throw me out and tell me there's no way that happened. But it did. If you're on YouTube right now, please make sure you subscribe and like the video. Thank you for checking out the channel. If you're on Apple and Spotify and haven't already subscribed on Apple or followed on Spotify, make sure you do that. Hope to see you guys again for future episodes, and I want you to enjoy the fuck out of this conversation because it was absolutely incredible. That said, you know what it is. I'm Julian Dory, and this is Trek Let's go. This is one of the great questions in our culture. And You're giving opinions and them facts. Me? everyone understands this but few seem to do it if you don't like the status quo start asking questions I've been looking forward to this one week because I was thinking and I think I told you this right when you walked in here but I was thinking about this the last few days and I'm like you know I've known Lou now for six seven years i don't think i've like i've gotten so many stories from you we used to talk all the time i I remember my first time where you were in whippany when i was in there in the morning and i'm like hitting the bag and i hear someone start screaming get keep your hand up keep your hand up i'm like what and then suddenly like you're over there with like a timer on me and i'm like oh all right this this guy's into it i'm looking up it's like there's this woolly mammoth standing right there teaching me how to box (laughs) and then i started getting some of your story like in pieces but i've never like sat down with you and and gotten the full kind of from start to end how this went and i say that because for people listening who don't know who you are i mean you're a boxing legend you've been around this sport for what 45 years something yeah. like that
0: yeah maybe more
1: and you were one of the top ranked heavyweights in the world you are a member of the new jersey boxing hall of fame if i'm missing some other things let me know florida what they are. state
0: Florida mm. Hall of Fame.
1: Florida as well. And you trained down at Fifth Street Gym yep. under Angelo Dundee.
0: And uh, well, Angelo Dundee was part of the Mendoza group. But uh, my trainer was, uh, my everyday trainer and my main trainer was Dwayne Simpson. Mm. Dwayne and- Simpson was an unbelievable uh, teacher, not so much as you call trainer. He's you know, Not too many mm. trainers can teach you. Dwayne Simpson can teach you.
1: Now, for people that don't know, Fifth Street Gym is where Ali was. Yes, all the big yes. boys. Well, that's
0: where he started. It's, you know, he started out at Fifth Street Gym. Well, I don't know if that's where he started, but that's where he landed when he was in Miami. Mm. I think he started in Memphis or Louisville, Kentucky, as an amateur, and then he moved to Miami, and that's where he went to. The, he was trained at the Fifth Street Gym.
1: So he had a trainer before Dundee,
0: when he was young. Sure, mm. I think there was. Yeah, with when he was in the amateurs,
1: I didn't know that. But how, how did you get into it? Because, and this story I know, but I want you to tell it. Like how you kind of showed up at the gym and Ali, because Ali was there or something, oh, yeah. and suddenly I, yeah, became I, a boxer. Yeah,
0: I, I was playing football and got hurt. And I was home convalescing. I had my leg up. I'm watching TV. And the news came on. And it said, Ali's at the Fifth Street Gym training. So I said, oh, my God, I'm getting ready. I want to go down and see Ali. I, that's my hero. You know, I want to see him. So I put together a... A package, uh, you know, so I could train rather than be standing there in the crowd. I could train and be in there right next to him. <laughs> so I went down there and I put my I put my gloves and everything in there and I went down to the gym. I had to lose weight anyway. I was like three twenty something. Holy shit! And I ran a four eight forty defensive end. I, I had to. You ran a four eight forty. at three twenty until I got hit. Until I got hit in the knee. Yeah, and then uh, <laughs> then I. Uh, I, fi- I knew how to lose weight through boxing because uh, I boxed in the amateurs. So I said I could get a. I could lose the weight in the gym. Plus oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I won when, the Golden Gloves in New England. When you were growing up? In Boston, yeah. I went from Jersey. There was no competition. They told me no competition here. So I went to Boston and fought in the Fargo building in South Boston. The last year they had the Golden Gloves there. Then they moved them to the Boston Garden. Mm. But they were in the Fargo building in South Boston. I used to train at Connolly's Gym in South Boston. Yeah. And I went to the Fargo building, and I fought two guys in one night and knocked them both out, and I won the Golden Gloves in, in New England, and I drove home that night, and actually, saw, uh, first time I ever saw a piggyback trailer, you ever see those, tra- the uh, trailer that carries two, they have two boxes behind the truck?
2: Uh, well, these maybe. are
0: the first time they ever came maybe. out with them. They're two boxes. They're real long. They mm. call them piggyback trailers. Riding down the New England thruway, and I'm driving, I got a convertible GTO, and uh, How old are you? Seventeen. Coming, home, coming <laughs> home with my robe and my trophy and everything, you know, one outstanding fighter I had, had two big trophies and everything. And I'm driving home and I'm all excited. I'm going home, and uh, this guy didn't see me. Just pulled right in my lane, hit me, and not- I was knocking off him like a pinball and in- onto the guardrail, which was just a like a, a, a metal rope. And I kept hitting, and finally my car went up in the air like this, and I looked down. I'm like a 100-foot drop. I go, oh, my God, please no. And I'm po- po- jumping in the car. It hit the ground, and uh, the co- car bounced off the truck, and then he pulled away, he kept going. He didn't know. He kept going? He didn't even know he hit me. He didn't even know. How do you not know you hit somebody? Well, because I told you, the piggyback trailer, it's real long. He has a trailer, then another one hooked to it. He, the back one was the one that was hitting me. You're not going to know that something hit that? I I, I don't know. He said he didn't know because, thank God, there was a state trooper behind me. Yeah. There was a state trooper there. So the trooper called ahead. Sounds like he remembered. Stopped the truck. Yeah. And uh, the trooper came up and he goes, how are you going to get out of that car? Because I had door locks and they were locked. I couldn't get out because it was all dented. So you it. were fine. Oh yeah, it was okay. But uh I said I can't, I'll get out and I just punched through the roof. <laughs> and the cop said, "What the hell?" I go, "I got to get out." <laughs> so I got out. Wait, that was it was a soft top roof. Yeah, it was a convertible. Okay. All right. Still. It was a convertible, I punched through the <laughs> roof and uh, I got out and the cop goes, "Wow." And then I said, well, I got to get my trophy and my my robe and everything. I got my stuff and I grabbed and then my girl from New Jersey drove up to where I was at the and the New York Thruway and she uh she picked me up and I went back to my car, which they towed into by by where we were. And uh I got all my clothes and everything out of it and then we went home. That's like, yeah, wild. yeah. Seventeen. Seventeen years old driving up to I lived I lived in Brookline, Massachusetts, ninety seven Aspenwall Avenue. Oh, so you moved up there too? To train with a guy named Al Lacey. Al Lacey trained. A conglomerate from the garment district. I used to work in the garment district when I was younger, 70. in New York City. Yeah, yeah. When I was I was working there, and I and and my, um, what, were my first, what were you doing in the garment district? I was first. I was a, uh, I worked out in the warehouse. Then I worked on a truck. Then I worked in the office as a salesman for, you know, women's car coats. You have to wear a suit, and people come from, uh, from uh, Bloomingdale's, uh, from all the Neiman markets and all that, and you sell them the clothes. But, but they were selling clothes on consignment. Mm. Back in those days, I don't know if they do it these days, but back in those days, you could sell a, a uh, 100,000 coats on consignment. Whatever they don't sell, they break, they give you back. So if they take the clothes and they have them for six months and they don't sell a, a bunch of them, they send them back. <laughs> I said, no, that's not the way to do this. <laughs> well, to make a long story short, I left before they went under. <laughs> <laughs> Because, Wait, you didn't reinvent how they did their business? Yeah, no. So, uh, so one of the guys who was in that business, the garment business, he was actually my first wife's father. He died before we got married, but he knew my father real well. And they said, "Why don't we put him in?" Because the, they gave him one of my amateur boxing shows in mm-hmm. in Patterson, and I knocked I knocked the guy out. He goes, "Let's take him up with a trainer. See if he's got something. We'll turn him pro." So they sent me up to Brookline, and that's when I trained with Al Lacey. Al Lacey trained Paul Pinder, who beat Sugar Ray Robinson, Mm -hmm. and he trained Jack Sharkey before he won that world championship. And and, uh, Al Lacey was the manager of the Revere Dog Track. So he had two houses. He lived in one, and the other one was a boarding house, and that's where I lived. And I used to get up in the morning and run to the reservoir, not far from the house, and I would run around the reservoir that would be my road work. I'd With the home. dogs? <laughs> I'd run home and, get, and jump in. A, he had, didn't have no hot water. I just took a, hot, a cold cold shower, and then I would make my own breakfast and wait for Al, and we'd go to the gym. And that's what I did for a year until the Golden Gloves came around, and he, and, he enrolled me in the Golden Gloves, and we won.
1: Well, there's another thing, because I don't know if it works the same today. Well, I'm, I'm sure there's differences, but how how do you get into that? Do you have to win a certain number of
0: fights on the amateur circuit? No, you can go. The Golden Gloves has all different levels. There's the sub-novice, which is guys from zero to two fights.
1: Okay.
0: If you have zero to two fights, you could be sub-novice. Then they have novice, which is two to nine, two to ten, two to ten, two to ten. Now, two to ten is novice. Then you have ten plus is open class. The zero to two and then two to ten, is two minute rounds. The open class, which is ten plus, is three minute rounds.
1: And this is for the amateur
0: show Yes, three three rounds, two three minute, three two minute rounds is novice and sub novice, and open class is three three minute rounds.
2: Mm.
1: So you were, I, I did not know this. You were <clears throat> boxing for years growing up. And then somewhere along the way, you're like, I, quit, yeah. I want to do football.
0: Yeah. Well, no, uh, what happened was I was boxing and playing football. But I, I, I was doing both. But I wanted to box. But then uh, I got a chance to play football in college, so I went. Where would you go to college? St. Peter's in Jersey City. I, I I drove a friend of mine. He was playing football there and going to school there. So I drove him to practice because he didn't, something was wrong with his car. And I'm standing on the sidelines, and the coach sees mm-hmm. me. He goes, Hey, Tommy, who's that? <laughs> That's my friend Louie. He goes, does he play football? He goes, yeah, he plays. He goes, ask him if he wants to play with us. So he asked me, he goes, go get him a uniform. And that was it. They got me into the school and I was ready to play. And I, We played St. Peter's. We played uh, Jersey City State College the following week. I played. Uh, the next week. Starting defensive end. The next week. The next week I was starting defensive end. What
1: were you, 18 at that time,
0: freshman? 17, 18, yeah, I was 18. So you just walked on the campus? Yeah, they yeah, signed you up, and you yeah. played. And I played.
1: And what were you? Six, six, and three hundred. No, six
0: five, about two eighty five at the time.
1: <laughs> Running a four seven, I guess, because no, you added four, eight, pounds four, to get a 4'8". Eight, eight. eight. yeah.
0: <laughs> so I was, I, I was doing pretty good. But, uh, and then the Carlissimo, the coach, he called Snellenberger down in Miami, and said, "Man, do I got a defensive end for you?" The Dolphins. No, the, he was he was at University of Miami at the time. He was coach. Oh, because Dolphins was Shula yeah, yeah. then, right? Shula. We what had, year are we talking here? 73 when I went down to Miami. Then I went okay. 74 and 75. I went to the Dolphins. I, they, he gave me a walk-on. Shula, I met Shula at a birthday party. No, at a football game. My my ex-wife's nephew played at a high school in Miami called Chaminade. And Shula's kids went there too. They played also. So I was at the game watching my my wife's nephew and Shula was there when that's about standing two feet, maybe two feet away from me. And we were talking (laughs) about football. Him and I would start talking about football. He goes, you play? I go, yeah. He goes, why don't you come down? I want to see what you could do.
1: (laughs) That's, that's, you know how crazy that is for our generation to hear that like you're standing next to an NFL legend. He's like,
0: You'll do. Come yeah, to the but, field but, tomorrow. Before he was a legend. I mean, before before he was the like, first couple of Still, months there. But I coach went there. of a team, though, you know? Yeah, I went there, and uh, I re- he goes, what well, could you run the 40? And I said, but probably 48, 47, 48. He goes, come on, how much do you weigh? I said, about 325. He goes, come on, run it. So I, he makes me run it. They, run it again. He tells the guy. They're, they're looking at the clock. Can you run it one more time? Yeah. Run it again. He goes, you okay? Get him a uniform. I started playing. First game of preseason against the, uh, I think it was the Baltimore Colts when they were in Baltimore. Whew. I got a helmet to the knee. Ah, helmet to the knee. My my career was over. They go, you could play again, but if you do, you'll and you get hit again, you'll have to walk with a crutch. I said that's out. I'm not going to have kids. I want to be able to teach my kids football. I want to play games with them. What'd you tear? Uh, I don't. I don't. Know. They back then they just tore. Every, took everything out. <laughs> ACL. They just take everything out. Holy shit! It was all clear it out. Instead of today, they just cut a little bit and they, or they fuse it with a with the with I don't know. They don't kill it. They don't kill everything. But back then, it's just scrape everything out. That surgery's
1: come such a long... I mean, all of them have, have but come that one's come way. such a long way. Yes, these I mean, guys are
0: back on the field in, 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 right away. You and
1: know? that's that's the one I'm looking forward to, and I, I don't know the science behind it, but I'm looking forward to five, ten years from now if it's at the place where it's like, oh, you get that injury, you're back on the field in two months, yes. three months, because it's still, you know, they'll play it conservative if it's like a quarterback or something, but these guys are still taking nine months to get back to the field. But you tear your ACL now, it's like, all right, you got to do a lot of rehab. It's going to suck, but you're probably going to be all right yeah. most of the time.
0: Yeah, today, today, modern medicine has grown leaps and bounds. It's unbelievable what they could do today. I mean, I walked on that uh, first operation. They scraped everything out, so I walked bone on bone for Ugh. almost 30 years. I was at, at Whippening when you were there when I went and got my knee operated on. Right before you came, I think I got my knee operated on. I got I had the to- total replacement. Oh, that's but good. But it was so much better cuz I used to leave whipping at night, drive home with tears in my eyes. So you were a pro boxer, bone on bone. Yeah. Yeah. My first fight, I was I was a pro when I got hurt.
1: All right, yeah, let's back because we, we got on a tangent about boxing because I didn't know your yeah. background. But you were saying you had your foot up like on the bed, yeah. And then you, I guess, you were walking around again. You saw Ali's in town, right? So then you're like, I'm gonna go down and I'm gonna hit the bag while I'm there.
0: And that's what happened. I walked in, I paid my two dollars, I went in the back, place was filthy dirty, but <laughs> went in the back, uh, got dressed, uh, came out, uh, wrapped my hands, and started shadow boxing. Then I jumped rope for three rounds, and Ali was in the ring. There was like 200 people there listening to him. And Ali was in the ring moving around, and I'm watching him. And then I put my mitts on, and I was going to start hitting the bag. You know, the old bag gloves where you slide them on. They were like four four ounces. But, you know, and I started hitting the bag. When the bell rang, I started hitting the bag. And I was hitting that thing with everything. And at the time, I was three-something. So I'm hitting that bag, boom, boom, boom. And... Head started to turn, looking at me, <laughs> and, I, and 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 Ali don't like that a little bit. You know, he's very vain. You know, you know, I, the hell are you, you know, who's that? Your white hope? Who's that, that Why you
1: looking at him and right, not me? Right,
0: exactly. So I, I was hitting the bag, and all of a sudden, I threw a left hook, and the damn chain broke. Here comes Come the, on. Heavy, the heavy bag comes down and it hits the floor. How heavy was the bag? Two hundred pounds. Oh, so a big boy too, it hits the floor. I go, oh, damn! I'm going to get thrown out of here. I just started this. So now I know who Angelo Dundee is, but he doesn't know me. He goes walking over. I go, Angel, don't worry about the bag. I'll go. I know there's a hardware store around here. I'll go, <laughs> I'll go get a chain. I'll pick it up. Don't worry about it. He goes, hell with that bag. Nice shot. You ever fight before? I go, when I was a kid, yeah, I was in the Golden Gloves and things like that, but I started playing football. I got hurt. Now I'm here to lose weight. I'm 200, I'm 200, 300 pounds. I got to lose weight. He goes, you don't look no to me. I said, I'm 325, 322, something like that. So he goes, oh my God, you don't look it. So I go, yeah, I am. So we started talking. He goes, you ever meet the champ? I go, no, he's my idol. So I went over there and we're talking and Ali, you know, we, we hit, because he had gloves on, we go like that, we hit gloves. Then he goes, um, put your arms out like that, white boy. I put my arms out and he goes, put his hand way up in the air and he goes,
1: in good consciousness, I can't even interrupt this episode for very long because it's Luis is a national treasure. I told you he was gonna be. I hope you're enjoying so far. So just very, very quickly. Link in my description. Code Trendifier checkout. That's T R E N D I F I E R. Get an eight sleep pod pro cover. Queen or King sizes goes right on top of your current mattress and will absolutely change your energy every single morning for the rest of your natural life so long as that may be. Since I started using my eight sleep it feels like I slept eight hours every night. And I promise you, I haven't slept eight hours in three years. I haven't even slept seven hours in three years. So anyway, get that. You'll love it. Link in the description. Trend to fire. Check out. Let's get back to Lou.
0: That's how much money you and I are going to make you keep doing this. I go, sounds great, but I'm only here to lose weight, champ. <laughs> <laughs> now, how old was he at the time? Oh, I don't know. He just, he just came back in after his suspension. He had just come back. He was mm. fighting quarry. Jerry Quarry for the title, or for his first fight back,
1: because this was like seventy five. Yeah, around then, something yes. like that. Yeah, and then he was his one was
0: the Rumble in the Jungle. Oh God, that was seventy eight. Okay, so that or, was a few years after somewhere seventy seven, seventy eight. That was yeah. yeah Ali was fight, uh, fought. Uh, he fought. Um, I think he fought the Rumble. Uh, Foreman. He fought Foreman before he, he fought Fraser three times first. Danny Ford mm. Foreman. Yeah, I think I think that was it. I'm not sure. God, they were so loaded. That division was so loaded. That was the heavyweight era you're talking about. You were in it. Even even yeah, even the the top ten. You're talking about Ron Lyle. If you ever if you ever want to see a fight, a real good heavyweight fight, watch Ron Lyle George Foreman. Go on YouTube and pull it up. Both of them down. Both of them back up fighting, punching. I mean you can you cannot believe the action in this fight. You can feel it. I mean you can feel the, the punching like right, you know. I mean you if you were like myself, I was in there, I know what it's like to, you feel you feel those punches when you oh, see yeah. it. Boom boom, oh my god, look at that. It was so it's a, but you're talking about Lyle, Foreman, Frazier, Ali, uh, Jerry Quarry, Oscar Bonavena, um George Shavallo you things.
1: talked about him before. I know that George name. George Chaballo's I've, ne- I've never Canada. seen a video of him.
0: Oh, my God. He's, George Chivallos, uh Chuck Wepner. Know him. Yeah. Chuck Wepner, yeah. the yeah. Bayonne leader from New Jersey. Yeah. He's the guy who got me inducted into the New Jersey boxing. He was the game. guy that was like the inspiration for Rocky? Yes, he was, yeah. yes. He finally got his due, too. Uh, I mean, uh, Stallone finally gave him some money. I heard that he won a lawsuit and got some money. I was happy because he's a great guy.
1: That was like a 30 for 30, right? They made a documentary on that? I I believe they did Maybe on like on, on him ago. being the real Rocky. Yeah. Yes,
0: I think he did. They also made a he had his own he put a, he had his own movie he had his movie put out another movie his own movie
1: like a doc or no it was
0: a movie about about the the Bayonne Bleeder which is the real Rocky no shit
1: yeah because I guess the story was Stallone went and saw the Ali fight yes. versus Webner because yes. Ali decided to give this unknown yeah, guy yeah. a shot and wepner took him the distance didn't win but took him the distance knocked him down knocked him down and stallone was like holy shit that's one of the most inspiring things i've ever seen goes home locks himself in a room writes a script in like two three days that became like i think it was like 10 15 of what the final script was but it was rocky and then one thing leads to another ends up finding his way to star in it becomes rocky. a worldwide the rocky- renowned <laughs> rocky yeah
0: uh, unbelievable now everybody you, you talk to anybody when they see stallone they say hey rocky hey rocky they don't call him uh stallone or what do they call him sly or whatever they don't say that they call him That's rocky. rock yeah
1: he's it, it's the most like indelible i mean especially like in philly but everywhere it's like the most indelible story of like underdog perseverance it's yeah, just it's yeah. synonymous but wepner was because he was even though they called him the upstart in that Technically, for what he was doing, fighting the greatest ever do it, he was. But he was a pretty legit
2: fighter.
0: Webner? yeah, New Jersey State heavyweight HM. champ. Yep. Oh yeah, he he fought fought a lot of guys, fought a lot of the top guys, and 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 stayed right there. He held his own. I mean, Chuck Webner was a great fighter, great fighter, and uh, never got the proper due, you know. But unbelievable. Now I think he did get it with his movie and with Ali uh, finally. I mean, with uh, Stallone finally. Admitting that he is the real Rocky and things like that. So he got his he got his too.
1: That's good. But you so you're in the gym, Ollie says we're gonna make a lot of money. You were just there to train. You're still telling him you're there to train. Yeah, and then done baby. And is they, he, they, they like show up me,
0: tomorrow? They say, come back tomorrow. We wanna to talk <laughs> to you. So I left. When I left I had a motorcycle. I, I even though I hurt my knee, I had a motorcycle. I drove home on the motorcycle. When you're in Miami, traffic gets crazy. You get the motorcycle, you can scoot through traffic, and you know you get out. So I had the motorcycle, and I come back the next day, and I'm training. After I'm training, they call me in the office, and they said, "Look, we got an, we got a uh, proposition for you." They introduced me to Murray Gaby. Murray Gaby was my manager, and he was part of the Mendoza Group, who owned uh, my contract. Was he? Was he Ali's guy? No, Murray no. Gaby was a. a, a um,
1: how do you spell that? G a b y or G a u r r y? G a b
0: y, m m a u r r y, Murray or m u a r r y, yeah. Murray Gabby. And uh, he he was he was actually an ex pro. He was an ex pro fighter, and he was a movie. He was an actor. He went to University of Miami. He did both, and uh, he was a great guy. He's not with us now, but uh, he was a fantastic guy it was unbelievable to me so they offered me a contract and they said uh we want you to start fighting I said but I just got hurt I got I got a lawsuit for I got hit in the face with a glass in Greenwood Lake New York when after I won the golden gloves I was getting ready to go into the Olympic trials I got hit in the face with a glass
1: when you were like 18
0: 17. Yeah, yeah so I got 365 stitches Here, this scar here,
1: and then this is years later. But there were still
0: problems there. No, no. But the case was coming up, and I thought I was going to make a lot of money on the case. So I told the guys, "Listen, I I can't box now. I got, I I, I got a cut here. What happens if it opens up?" So Dundee looked at it. He goes, "That's under your eye." He goes, "How much do you think you're going to get for that case?" I don't know, hundred, maybe hundred fifty thousand. He goes, "We're talking about millions here."
1: Mm.
0: So you know, you hear that millions, and all of a sudden, okay, I'm ready. Let's do this. So I started running and I started uh, you know, jogging with my even though my leg was killing me. I was doing okay. I did all right. I How got, far could you run? I was running four miles. Oh, I was, shit. But I would swim.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: I got into swimming. I and I started swimming. And I started swimming two, three miles before I ran. And I'd run two, three miles, and but swim two, three miles. And uh you do that in the pool, or you go in, no, in, in the, the ocean lake. with the in sharks? The, in the lake, I did the, first. I did the ocean after I found out there was alligators in the lake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm swimming there for Wait, like what lake? There's a lake where I live. They have these man made big lakes. Oh, a man! <laughs> so I'm swimming there. You're swimming in one. I of I used those? to run around it three miles, and then I would stretch, and then I would go in and swim and back and forth. <laughs> I swim back and forth. It'd be about three miles. So I'm swimming there. I come out one day and there's a, there's a uh, Dade County Metro cop car there. I gather the water. He goes, uh, what are you doing? I said, what is this trick question? I, I'm swimming. I said, I'm, I'm getting ready for a fight. I, I run, then I swim. He goes, do you know there's alligators in there?
1: Are you fucking crazy? <laughs> I,
0: I said, why did you tell me that? <laughs> he goes, there's alligators, a lot of them. They, they grab you. What are you, nuts? So I said, well, they haven't bothered me yet. <laughs> so, so I go, now I can't go in. Now I'm going to be looking every which way because you got me worried. I'm going, to, I'm going to get pulled in by an alligator. Louis, so goes, I think you had the alligators scared. <laughs> I think they were afraid of you. So I just didn't I didn't go there anymore. That's when I had my wife. I had a boat. I had a nice boat. And she used to take the boat out, and, and I would go out. Three miles
1: in the and, Atlantic Ocean. Yeah,
0: and then sw- she would follow. Oh. I would. She would follow me back. So if there was any, if I see a shark or something, she'd hit the engines. Boom! The shark would take off. Did that happen? Yeah, but uh, so you they, went from swimming with
1: the alligators to the great whites.
0: Well, the the bull, great, the bull down sharks. In Florida, they're, they're not they're a, bull, no, sharks. bull, not bull. They're they're um, what do they call those sharks? Uh, white tips.
1: There's still there's a lot of bull sharks down.
0: Li- not in Florida. Not yeah, in, they were. I jumped uh, over a bull shark hammerhead. in Florida. Swear Hammer- to God. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Hammerheads, white tips, and, you know, reef sharks. Bull, there might be a bull here or there, but not too many. We're still talking things that bite. Yeah, things that go biting at the night. <laughs> but uh, it was easy when you have your wife behind you. And you uh, the only thing that scared me, every time she hits that engine, I say, she sure, wants to see the shark. <laughs> <laughs> I start picking it up a little faster.
1: <laughs> so you'd swim three miles back. Like, like what part of Miami?
2: Where, like, right Keep where, where skin. the port is? skein. Key Biscayne
0: i go out, keep a skein, because that's where I had my boat parked, in the keep a marina. And she would get in the boat, and we'd go out, and I'd jump in, and I'd say, okay, follow me back. And I'd go back, and she'd be following me. So make sure that there were no sharks. She would see a shark. she hit the engine. Boom! How and, many days
1: a week did you do that? Five. Jesus Christ.
0: Five days a week. So I, I got good-sized shoulders, and uh, my back was nice and strong from all that. Now, how
1: long did it take before? Like, how did they start gearing you up because you hadn't been boxing in I guess like four years yeah, or something yeah, yeah. like that. So how no, soon well, did you get a fight? Like how did it all work?
0: Well, I was training at the gym and then after about three months, I got down to about, I think I was 258. Holy shit. You took off like 60 pounds? Yeah. And three, 70 pounds. Months, yeah. Eating right, dieting, you know. So I, uh, I took off the weight. I was 258 for my first fight and, uh, I was sparring then, you know, in the, in the, in the gym. So, uh, I, I that's how it started, and then every every month I bought after that every month, or every two weeks. After in the beginning it was every two weeks. Jesus Christ! Because Dundee wants to run a show. If you're if you're a if you're a draw, he's running a show. And where were you? All over the country, or were oh no all? no Miami, Miami always Miami. Yeah, well, then I went to Orlando. Then I went to the Garden. Then I went out to Vegas. Then I so, went yeah you know, all over so, the country. Yeah, but, but not not too many. Most of my fights, I'd say. I had 27 or 29, I can't remember right now, 20-something fights. Most of them were in Miami mm. because uh, Dundee wanted that gate, you know, because, I mean, you're talking about when, I, I i don't know anybody in Miami. I just moved down, and I got divorced, and I was by myself in Coconut Grove, living in Coconut Grove. Wait, and you were I,
1: married when you were, like, 20?
0: Yeah, I was married, I've been married five times. No shit. So I got married when I was 19. Then I, then that's the one I moved to Florida with, and she, then I met a Cuban girl in Florida, and I, after I got divorced from her, and I got, I married the Cuban. She's the only one I have children with. My tw- my my daughter and my son. I have a twins, boy and a girl. Mm. That's the one. I that's the mother of my children. Then I met another girl, a Portuguese girl. Then I met a Russian. You're just going all when over. When I was in guy. Greece, when I was in Greece, <laughs> I lived in Greece for four or five years. Wait, you, you met years. a Russian yeah. in Greece? Yeah. A Ukrainian girl.
1: Was her father uh
0: yeah, he was a, a Russian-wise guy. Yeah. So, then I then I came home and I met I met a, a, a Polish girl. American, American girl, Polish descent. And that's who I'm married to now. I'm very happily married.
1: I was going to say you've been married a long time now. I was like surprised yeah. to hear that.
0: Yeah, 13 so you, years.
1: You're just around the whole gamut. It's kind of hard though. I I got to think being Especially a sport like boxing that just requires, I mean, you just explain it with the swimming and everything is one example, but it's round the clock training. It's a brutal sport. It's yeah, you all have the to time. You have to yeah. Limit. It's got to be hard, like keeping oh, no. everything you, else in
0: line. If you, yeah, exactly. You, you hit it on the head. If you can't, you have to have good backing. If you're going to be a pro fighter, I don't care who you are, or what you do. You can't have a job and be a pro fighter. It just can't work. You have to live. You have to get up at five a.m. and you got to go run, so that the air is still. It's not freezing cold, and, or like up in the, if you live in Jersey, you got to have a, a people behind you, so that when you're going to train for a fight, you got to go eight weeks. You got to move to Florida and you got to train down there, mm-hmm. and that's where you got to train. That's where you, you have to train in a warm area, either Arizona or Florida. So you got to go where the, you know you can do that. Can't do that up here. How are you gonna get up at five o'clock in the morning and it's th- three below? Yeah, it's brutal. And you got to go run in the snow. I mean, okay, all that stuff with that, uh, with Rocky in the movie with the uh with the Drago uh, yeah, No, the... with the yeah, with the uh with the pole on his back and he's walking through the snow. That's all the movies. That's yeah. the movies. That's not real life. So if you really want to do this, you have to live it, eat it, sleep it, everything. It's hard. You have to your diet has to be your, your diet has to be perfect so that what you eat turns to muscle. It doesn't turn to fat. It doesn't. So you have to work harder to get it off. I mean, it's, it's it's all a hard thing. All the different muscles you have to use. You have to do strength and conditioning. And years ago, they never did that. They did calisthenics, but never strength and conditioning like today. Strength and conditioning is a big part of a boxer's, you know. Well, because, what did you do? So when you
1: were training, like, did you lift a lot too? Never, never. Never. never lifted
0: the weights in my life.
1: You've never lifted weights in your life? No,
0: never. I mean, fooling around, you know, at the gyms, you know.
1: You know what's funny? I I was thinking about this, too. I never, all the times I saw you at the gym, I know you do it sometimes, but I never, like, worked out with you or saw you working out, and yet every time I see, I mean, you're still, what are you, 60 now?
0: I'll be 70 in January. Jesus Christ.
1: And you're still, I mean, you beat the shit out of everyone who's been on this podcast. (laughs) You know, you're like a fucking mammoth. It's like it's, it's got to be natural then. Like you never lifted
0: a weight. No, I just got, I got very lucky. When I was 17 and I was in high school, I graduated at 17. But I, was, I graduated high school like around four or five foot four, 157 pounds. Wait, wait, wait. you graduated high school? Yes. Or middle school? No, high school. But it, you were six five when I you grew, were 18. I grew that big during the summer of my graduating year. I grew from what I just told you to, six to 225 when I left the hospital. They thought was they were gonna cut me from my from here to my belly button and they were gonna open me up to find out why I was growing day by day. I was growing day by day.
1: In the summer you grew In eight is, into, yep. nine. When 10 the coach inches, saw me, whatever. when my
0: coach saw me the next school year, he started crying. He goes, Oh my God, you grew into your mouth. <laughs> he goes, Oh my God.
1: Did they figure out, like, why that happened?
0: No, it was a sudden burst of growth. Now, years later, it couldn't have been what, what was wrong with me. I had an ablation. What's I was that? at the gym, Whippany, and I had a, an extra valve in my heart. All these years, they heard a sound, so they called it a heart murmur. mm yeah. Okay, they didn't know what it was because they didn't have the technology. Wasn't that a Sopranos character? They're yeah. Like, they called him murmur. Yeah, so I had the murmur, right? So then... Uh, I go and get the. I go to the doctor. Uh, they wanted to cut me from here, but instead they did an upper and lower catheterization, and the doctor labeled me just a sudden burst of growth. He goes, "There's nothing wrong with your son. It's just a sudden burst of growth." I said to him, yo, what about this? What about this? Why the rest of me's growing? What about this?" <laughs> he said, "You got the white man's disease. Other than that, you're going you're going to be a big boy." <laughs> so, so uh, I, was, I
1: wasn't ready for that. <laughs>
0: I'm growing like crazy. What about this? There's nothing. nothing. That's the only not growing. <laughs> but
1: did you say you played football in high school? Yeah, I played. So what were you playing? Like tailback? I was a I got
0: cornerback and safety.
1: So that's why no one was scouting you because you're no. just some dude. And then yeah. you show up and suddenly you're. And I guess you grew even more after that. You got I, I to went six, to six. I stopped at
0: six five and a half, three something, three three oh five. God damn! I'm right now. I'm about three hundred or. I, or 290, two, I was 2, I was 304 when, I, when my wife when I took her to the doctor the other uh, last week or the week before. And then I went yesterday to the doctor with her, not yesterday, uh, Saturday, and I weighed again and I was 290. So I was really happy I lost 14 pounds. I've been trying to get down.
1: You look good. You look trying, great. trying, trying. And you still, I'd, I'll bet you'd still be taking punches to the gut in a warm up for oh, a fight. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. I don't, 100%. No problem.
1: I've never seen anything like that in my life. Yeah. I was like a little scared. Because <laughs> that's the thing. I'm like, you're telling me you don't lift weights. You never did this shit. And like, I guess things like the some of the stuff like swimming and stuff like that has to help. But you, you got to have like abs of fucking steel under there still. No,
0: I got a good core, but the abs aren't there. They're, I'm saying I'm, like, I'm yeah, I should have said the core. The core. Yeah. My core is like a rock, but the rest is still blab you're getting there you know you're getting old you get 70 you got to start lifting i have to start i can't lifting. believe you're 70 i have to start lifting weights though because that's the only thing I, at my age that's the only thing that you'll get muscle again with
1: and you get bone it it does something to like keep bone density Bone too. density yeah all that
0: you need you, if you don't lift uh weights you don't have to be a. I don't have to be a power lifter I, you know just go in and do like sets of 12 to 15 with light weights just to tone up.
1: I'm going to walk in the race place next year. You're going to be benching 325.
0: You're like, going like, to like Ray's race place. Race places. Yeah, I got to go visit that. It's off the hook. It's off the hook. I mean, he has the these machines where you put so much weight on 1, 2 and 3. And as you hit the as you're pushing the weight, it's the first, you know, you push for here and then for there and then for here. There's certain weights for here, certain weight for here and a certain weight for here. It's and you work and you get stronger so much faster. It's like, I said, Ray. Where did you get all this? Because I've been doing so much research. I got. I'm sure you have. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, it had to be years. And, and he's like, he's so into that shit. I used to go to Ray for recovery. Yeah. When I was having elbow problems, he fucking oh yeah, fixed he helps it. you out. He gets You I right never up. had a problem again.
0: Yeah. Well, he's got all, He's got all the equipment now. You know he's got everything, and, and and now he has the office over there. His little office. He has all his equipment there. So if anybody gets hurt during his training, or even if they're training by themselves, and they ask Ray to help them, he helps them right out.
1: That's awesome. That's, I'm I'm happy for him. That's just me like, too. I think
0: he deserves it. He works hard. He's a working guy. And you know what? He's good. He's, he's good so at good. What, he's good at what he does. He
1: knows Knows everything about it. You yeah. know. He's like a, I I used to call him like the scientist with played football stuff. too
0: yeah yeah he yeah. played
1: he played didn't he play in like nfl europe too yeah yeah he's telling me when he was over in one of the l's L- lithuania latvia one of that shit like whatever it was they were going out like they would go out on like monday like the off day and it was like fishing with dynamite in a barrel because apparently one of those countries has like no men in it yeah so they're like the only guys and all of them are hot like all, all the all the women are hot so they're like oh shit it's like it was fucking insane.
0: When I went to when I went to Greece and I met Russian women, I, I said, "Man, the United States has been lying to me. I thought you, were, I thought you had scarves on your head. You had forms bigger than mine, and you, were, you know, big ugly women. But oh my God, they were gorgeous.
1: That's that's when you figured out that the government wasn't always telling <laughs> oh, yeah, the Oh truth. my God, they're not telling the truth.
0: <laughs> I grew up in the, the with a bunch of lies. I thought you Russian women, you're Russian. Oh <laughs> wow." <laughs> That's hilarious. Blonde hair, blue eyes, black hair, green eyes. I mean, they were gorgeous. I couldn't believe it. I just I just couldn't believe it. A lot of talent in Russia. Yes. There's a lot of talent.
1: There's a lot of talent in Greece, too. I'm, oh, I'm Greece sure it was beautiful. hard to pick out.
0: Greece is beautiful. Greece I mean, is something. Greece is unbelievable. It's like living in a fairy tale. Like yes. you, you see, I'm waiting for the sirens to call. You could rent a boat. Well, I don't know about now, but when I was living there. You could rent a sailboat, a 22-foot sailboat. Never have to put the sail up. Use a little engine. Go from island to island. Mm. You park off the island, off the beach. You tr- throw your anchor in the water. You swim in, lock up. Swim in. You have a big uh, ziplock with your clothes in it, shorts, T-shirt, and a pair of sandals. You get up. You dry off. Put your, put your bathing suit over a, a tree there, uh, over a limb. And you walk into the town and have breakfast, and have lunch, and walk around. And at night, the, the nightclubs open up. You could wear pair of shorts, t-shirt, and and uh, sandals, and you could drink, get a drink in one bar, walk in the next with the same drink, and they don't care. No. Now, how
1: how was the nightlife when you were there? Though?
0: Oh, yeah, off the hook. Yeah, there, we eight women for every guy.
1: It's Greece is the best kept secret, and like everyone goes to Mykonos and stuff now, but I'm talking like the rest of the country too. Holy shit!
0: Athens is off the hook. I lived. You're gonna say Athens? Yeah.
1: No shit. I lived in. I lived. The last place I was gonna say. I lived in
0: that. I lived in the Soho of Athens. It was called Glyfada. I had a penthouse. I lived right on the water. When was this? Two bedroom penthouse. I lived there for for five years when when i got out of jail uh, a, a, a bunch of guys we got involved in some conspiracy 32 of us were involved and uh they got arrested one guy got arrested and when one guy got arrested it's the domino theory Yep. yep. so i said forget the dom last domino i'm out of here I, I left so everybody got arrested but me i left the country i went and lived in greece wait you skipped bail no i didn't get bailed I, they never got me i left before they got me <laughs> so you jumped the indictment yeah i jumped the indictment <laughs> oh my god so you just went to greece yeah i went to greece would you do you speak greek no now <laughs> now legal 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 but now no but, but then i didn't all right we'll, we'll but get there. where i lived in Glyfada, they had an american base so there a lot of everybody spoke english mm. so Glyfada was like the soho of athens and it was i lived in a two-bedroom p- apartment right on the water it was gorgeous everything was beautiful the apartment take a guess what it cost me, in a penthouse right on the Mediterranean Sea.
1: What year are we talking? A- 84? No, 89. 89. 89. In today's dollar value, were you doing rent? Yeah, rent. I rented. $1,000 a month.
0: It was $250 American.
1: Back then, though. Yes. But right, now, so listen. today that'd be like, like $1,500, right.
0: something but like that. Right, but $250 over there, is a lot of money, you know, American. Oh yeah, but but you got to remember the apartment was fully furnished with TVs, telephones, everything, knives, forks, spoons. No, it was a uh, just a one two bedroom. Okay, one floor overlooking a balcony. Uh, it was a penthouse with a big balcony overlooking the Mediterranean right there. I mean, it was unbelievable. What I tell you, unbelievable. Every all I had to do was put my clothes in a drawer and I lived there. Had my own phone and everything already. Everything's in there. Phone, everything's there. Wow. So Greece
1: is, first of all, they, a lot of Greeks speak phenomenal English. Oh, yeah. Like yeah, a lot. Of well,
0: them. They, live right, yeah, they live right in Astoria. They have a whole Greek community over
1: there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's a ton of overlap. Like my best friend from my whole life is Greek. He's a oh, dual citizen. Cool, cool. Right. So I'm very familiar with the culture and everything. And you've
0: never been there? Oh, I've been there. Oh, you got to oh, go I, with him. <laughs> oh, oh, I've been there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We, we We did the nightlife in Greece. That was... I've been to Greece a couple times, and it's fucking insane. But when I was growing up, anyone who still lived over there, they you know they're all family, they're all yeah. related. They come here, they visit. They lived over there, like the Americans who were dual citizens lived over there in the summers. There's a ton of overlap of that culture.
0: The Greek Greek government and the Greek it's so relaxed. Everything's so yes. The, the word the Greeks say "meta" means at to later. Meta, meta, avrio. After tomorrow, after tomorrow, after tomorrow. Yeah. They don't care. They don't want no, They don't want, no, they, don't want no, they don't want to be bothered. You know. That's the way it was. And uh, it's funny, you know. I wanted to open a nightclub, and I'm walking around in Glifada and I find this open store for rent. So I, I go in there. I talk to the guy. I tell him I want to put a nightclub in here. He goes, Go ahead. I don't care what you do. So we came up to with a rent, and I go and I get a friend of mine who, who's from America. Who I met out there from Livingston, New Jersey, <laughs> couldn't believe it. So I met him. I had to go all the way to yeah, Greece for yeah. a
1: Livingston guy.
0: So he goes, I go, uh, John, can you help me? I want to build a bar. He's a carpenter. Sure, we'll build it. We build the bar. I went to the liquor store, bought liquor, and I was open. No liquors, like no liquor license. You don't need none of that over <laughs> come there. On. Yeah, you don't need none of that. You open up. That's it. I put in a DJ box, a booth, and I had the best. I had CDs coming. My brother. I call my brother, and I make him go to the city, go to all the clubs like Studio Fifty Four, all of, all of those clubs at the time, wherever it was open. Get get me CDs from the DJs, and they would give me the CDs, and I would throw them in there and put them on. And I had a box. The guy ran a line. And a speaker outside, so the kids could hear the music, and they forget about it. They rush, they run to my place. How big was the space? Oh, it wasn't that big. It was, it was a nice It was over, it was on the second floor, over top of some other nightclub.
1: Did you have an outdoor deck? Yeah, deck? yeah, an outdoor oh, deck. Shit. What so, was it called?
0: Uh, it was called Harisa Nasa, which means breathless. <laughs> That's awesome.
1: But it was... surprised uh, you didn't just call it loose.
0: Yeah, I was going to call it something <laughs> crazy, but I, did, I said I better not. <laughs> how long did you have that? I was still... They were still looking for me. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: Well, you know what? Let's let's loop back around because we skipped like 15 years there, like with the whole thing. And then we'll get to how you ended up in Greece and all that because that's wild. And like, that's another thing. Like, I've heard a lot of the individual stories in there, but I've never... I don't have the full picture of how it came together. So you signed with murray gabby who murray. i got up behind us right there so he just died yeah, five yeah. years ago yeah,
0: that's right that's murray right there
1: yeah okay name was marty
0: kaplan the, uh, his birth name was murray Gabby.
1: changed it from marty Ka- that's yeah, like marty a simple kaplan. name to be born with though
0: yeah i don't know why i think he changed it to gabby because uh, when he was boxing they said they didn't want to use a jewish name I, i'm not sure but that's what they that's what i was told Gaby's not a Jewish name? I don't know. It sounds Jewish to me. I was going to say. Like, <laughs> I don't know what I did there. Okay.
1: So you said he was your manager, the Mendoza group, and some of the guys in there were your trainers. Yes. You trained always at Fifth no, Street. No, not
0: my trainers. They were my managers. Your manager. So Trainer who, was Dwayne was your, Simpson.
1: Dwayne Simpson. That's right. So you were training at Fifth Street Gym your whole career? Yes. Pretty much? Yes. Okay. How long did you say it was until you had your first fight after you walked in there and met three, them? Three months. So, ninety days they get you out to an event to do, and right out,
0: there right in miami at the at the Miami Beach Convention center,
1: and you had an amateur record, obviously, so now you're a pro yeah, and you know were you fighting anyone of note what, what was the, what was well, the deal with the first fight no,
0: the first fight the guy was somebody who fought there before he was one and oh, and they gave him to, I fought him, and then uh I knocked him out
1: and how many rounds was the fight supposed to be four okay. So you have to, and that's what you were explaining on the amateur circuit. You were explaining like the sub novice, well, novice, and rounds. Thing. With, but with, then with pros, in pro, you start
0: out at four rounds, then you go to six. At what fight? Uh, maybe after three or four, you go to six. You maybe have one or two, maybe three at six. Then you, it's all according to how you do. Mm-hmm. Then you go to eight, and maybe you have two at eight, and then you go to ten. Got it? Do they do?
1: Do they do 12 rounds? Yeah, they do because they're Tyson Fury
0: fights. 10 rounds or main event fights until you get a championship fight, which is 12 rounds. So it's only championship fights Only championship
1: fights. That I didn't know. Okay. And then they're all three minute rounds in pro. Right. Three minute, one minute rest. So you do your first fight, you do four rounds, you knock the guy out in what round? First. Oh, quick work. (laughs) So then how many fights did you end up doing your whole career? Uh,
0: I think 26, 27.
1: And over how many years was that?
0: I uh, stopped in 80-something. This got me up there.
1: Yeah, let's see. Let's pull you up. This, by the way, this this is an all-time picture. I'm going to put this in the corner so people can see it. <laughs> what year is that?
0: That's the yeah, the first day I walked in the gym. Remember I, told you I put the mitts on? That was the first day. Those are
1: the mitts. They took that picture that
0: day. Yeah, that day they took the picture of me. Exactly.
1: That's hysterical. I you know. look like you're ready to murder somebody in that picture. <laughs> That's like I would look at you and I'd be like, all right that that's boxer 100 percent. like you just look you look like the kind of thing where it's like that doesn't happen anymore like we don't see people like that go (laughs) at all like they do more important things they do something else i don't know but like this you know back then especially it was like god damn you were a pro boxer in the heavyweight division you were the biggest thing on planet earth it's just it was such a it was like the center of culture
0: Oh, it was, in Miami, it was unbelievable. You go to restaurants, you can't pay a check. I used to get mad because where I come from, we always, I always paid the check. You know what I mean? I, I don't care if I'm with my friends or not. I, always, I was the one that always picked up the check. Mm. So I'm going to Miami, and I'm going out, and I want to eat, and I go to a restaurant, and they say, no check. I go, what do you mean no check? Tell the owner to come here. I go, what are you talking about? He goes, no, Lou, you're my guest. And I was not used to that. I go to Miami High Life, it was, we're having dinner. We're watching the highlight. They, the highlight game, yeah, like yeah, the sport. Highlight the sport. We're going to the highlight, That's and they announce the my match. name, and I have to stand up and bow, and then they, they everything's free. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I just it was I was like the king of Miami. It was so weird.
1: And who was so Ali was training down there. Who else was training in that gym during those years?
0: Uh, Rodney Bobick, uh Mike Rossman, anybody who was anybody. Duran, everybody mm. was there. anybody who was anybody was there. Everybody was in there and if they were heavyweights, I probably sparred with them because they wanted me they used me to work with a lot of the guys that came in.
1: Yeah, and I'm looking at your record here. Doesn't look like you liked going the distance too much. Uh, no. Yeah, you, you just you like some quick work there. Yeah. So you start you start off your career with five straight knockouts, James, only one James that was Edwards. a called knockout, the others were just straight up knockouts.
0: This Hydro Lacey, see him number three? Yeah. That's, Al, that's uh, the Lacey. Uh, left Eddie hook, Lacey? Le, F, left hook Lacey's father. Oh.
1: Remember left hook remember Eddie. Remember Eddie Lacey, the football player? Yeah. Who was like way too big? Yeah. I was wondering if it was his dad. That's funny. Hydra Lacey, number three. So you knocked him out. How many rounds were these going? Like the one, first one three? rounds. They one, were all one round. Yeah, one round. You're not going to do it out in the first round. And then first L was what? Like almost first a year was, in?
0: First L was in... Uh, in the Capitol Center in Landover, Maryland. Ali fought Jimmy Young.
2: I oh, was so on the other Yes.
0: Well, I got an abscess tooth. I'm not supposed to fight. But my mother's in the hospital. What's an abscess tooth again? When your new tooth is um, infected and the mm. jaw gets real big, mm. it gets a big infection. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm not supposed to fight. The dentist tells me I'm going to take that out. You, you're going to take some, uh, you got to take some. Um, antibiotics for a couple of days, and then it goes down. Then I'll take it out. I said, "Okay." Well, I'm taking the antibiotics, and the fight comes up. I go, "I'm taking the fight." I was telling my mother. I was on the phone with my mother when it came when it came through. What
1: kind of money is in a fight like that undercard with Ali? Uh,
0: I think it was five thousand or ten thousand, something like that. It wasn't of bad. Yeah. So Back then, with a four rounder. Yeah. So, I um. I don't say nothing about the abscess to nobody—not to Angelo, not to Dwayne, not to Ferdie Pacheco. Nobody. I don't say nothing. So we go to Landover. Weigh in. The guy sees me. You know, I see him. No problem. Guy goes, "See you later." I said, "Okay." So I know. You know, I think the guy I got this guy. He's, he's scared to death. Get in the ring. No, the guy, go get it checked by the doctor. The doctor grabs the abscess. He goes, "How you feeling?" I go. Oh, oh, great. Great. Everything's good. So I can't say nothing because my mother's going to be watching. She's in the hospital. I don't want to lose the fight. So I just take it. So I go in, get dressed, get in the ring, put the mouthpiece in, the bell rings. I go running across the ring and I beat this guy, Bump Kelly. I beat him. When I say beat, I don't know how he made it back. They dragged him back to the corner after the bell
1: rang. So your strategy was just get this guy just down get, as get, soon get, as possible. Get rid of
0: this guy as quick as possible. How he made it back to the corner, I have no idea. How they, they pushed him out for the second round. And I beat him again. Beat him to death. My, my I go back to the corner. I go, what's wrong with you? I go, what do you mean? They go, settle down. I go, I want to kill this guy. So I go back out there and boom, boom, boom second round. Third round, same thing. I mean, they, I, they, they're looking at me Go, we don't know how he's standing up. You hit him with everything. I go, maybe my punches aren't that strong. They go, that ain't it, look at him. He was all beat up. Third and fourth round comes. Last round. Last round. I'm punching the guy into the corner. I never went four rounds before, never. I'm um, I, I one round I'm trying rounds. to picture
1: you pissed off like this fucking guy still yeah. standing so I
0: jab him into the corner and I hit him a good jab and he goes into the ropes and he comes off the ropes with his hands up and I turn my head and he hits me in the uh-huh. abscess with my mouth, I had a big mouthpiece I swallowed all the poison from the uh-huh. abscess now I'm all hyperventilated because it's the fourth round my heart's beating 100 miles an hour and the poison goes all through me so I turn around to face him and Can when you I open die from eyes, that? No, you just you just get fucked up. So I I was, I open my eyes and there's nine of them. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> so I, I I throw a jab, boom, and he's over there. <laughs> the referee goes, Lou, are you all right? I go, yeah. He goes, oh okay, box. So boom, 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 we're boxing. Now I'm saying to myself, I gotta wait till he comes in. Or else I'm going to think he's over there, over there. I don't know where the fuck yeah. he is. So he comes in, and hit me. I hit him with a body shot, and he goes down. Referee pushes me back. They count. He gets up. I come back out. Now he's getting some type of. He must have done something. He goes. He must not. He must. He must not be able to take a punch because I hit him once and he went. He doesn't know that I swallowed the poison. <laughs> so boom, boom, boom. We start going at it again. He steps back, and I go. I throw a combination, and he's over there again. The referee oh, stops God. the fight. He looks at me. He goes, Lou. How many fingers do I got up? He did me a favor. He went like this. If he didn't do this. You just said like 35. <laughs> all right. If he went like that, I, know, I have no fucking clue. He went like this and I said eight. He said, okay, start. And the guy I, the guy started cu- walking towards me and I threw a combination again and he was over there and the referee stopped the fight. He goes, I can't do it no more. Lou. You're, you're throwing punches. He's not even near you. That's,
1: well, cr- that's got to be crazy to There was six to watch. seconds left in the fight. That's got to be crazy to watch. Like, if you're in the audience and you're
0: like, wait, this guy was just beating. Why is he? What, what the fuck is going on? Nobody knew. So now I go back to the corner. And I said, my tooth is killing me. So Ferdy goes, oh, my God, he had an abscess tooth. I go, I swallowed the poison. So now he goes, look, at, my eyes were all messed up. So I, uh, Dundee, uh, Ferdy Pacheco looks at uh, Dundee and he goes, he's hurting. it." I open my mouth. He goes, oh, my God, the tooth is cracked. Ugh. It was cracked. You could see a cracked tooth open. So he goes, "The tooth's cracked." He goes, "I gotta give him. I'm gonna give him a shot of morphine." I never took nothing in my life, drugs. So he hits me at right there at ringside with morphine. Now I'm sitting there going, "You're like falling off the chair." I'm ready to go out. So, the, uh, uh, Purdy Pacheco goes, "We gotta take him back to the room right now because I was in a suite, two bedroom suite. Ali was in one room. I was in the other. They, they gotta take him back to the hotel." You're staying in the same. The same suite uh, as Ali, yeah. All right, we'll get that. We're the same people. Okay. So they take me back to the room, put me in the bed. Shekro goes, I'll get, if you need more morphine, I I don't need nothing. I can feel, I don't feel nothing. So I, boom, I I, I went right out. Ali beats Jimmy Young in a controversial decision. Jimmy what do you Young,
1: mean it was controversial?
0: They thought that Jimmy Young won the fight, but Ali got the decision. Okay. So so they come back to the hotel, and they call. somebody calls in a bomb scare. So they empty the hotel. Now I'm on the bed, laying there in the bed in the room. Fucked up on morphine. <laughs> yes, I wake up. Oh, oh. I wake up, I go to the window, I hear a lot of noise out there. I open the shades. The whole hotel, plus fire engines, police out <laughs> <laughs> What the <laughs> I look at that. I go, "What the?" They go, "Oh my God, we got Louis!" <laughs> <laughs> they run upstairs. The firemen run upstairs. They put me on. I go, "Wait, hey, let me put my clothes on." I put on a running suit, and they 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 ran. Oh, oh God, they run me out. Of the place. <laughs> they run me out of the place. And but there was no bomb. We all went back in, and we left the next morning. I'm on the plane. I'm on the plane. I'm in a wheelchair. I'm like just coming off the morphine. I'm like, uh, I'm all messed up from the morphine. I never did that in my life. I never did no drugs, and here I am going. Oh my God! My I get off the I get off the plane. My wife's waiting for me. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> they go, Oh my God! his tooth. We gave him a, They told her what happened. My wife takes me from the plane, calls her mother. Her mother comes to our house, and she takes me to a natural. She's a she's a all natural. She's an all natural. Um. She's an all natural uh, nutritionist and all that stuff. She's into all natural stuff. Gave me a box, huge box of vitamins I would take every day. I liked it, but, yeah. but she was not about being all natural. She takes me to an all natural dentist. <laughs> <laughs> I have no clue what the hell an all natural dentist is. <laughs> so we get there, and I, I open my mouth, <sighs> and I'm in the chair, and the guy goes, he, they strap me in. I'm like, what do you strap me in for? They go, well, we got a little thing. What you he goes, which tooth? I go, uh, uh, I'm pointing out. I open my mouth. He goes, oh, I see it. Grabs it and pulls it right out.
1: No no anesthesia, no nothing.
0: letting pull that. And he goes, I don't get drugs, I'm all natural. <laughs> <laughs> <Blood> <laughs> coming
2: out <of> my
0: <laughs> they got me locked in. <laughs> <laughs> I told my wife, him? let's go. I wanted to kill him. Went, let's go. Let's go. Oh my so god So we left there, my blood running down my mouth. I, I got, she goes, You should have rinsed your mouth. I ain't doing nothing. I got nothing, pulled my tooth down, not give me a needle, nothing. <laughs> but yeah, that was that's what happened. I couldn't believe it. But I got that was my first loss I, it, was, it was devastating I, I never thought but that's what happens you know stupid shit happens
1: well how long did you have to wait for the next fight actually oh, I can look right behind yeah
0: you. three weeks uh,
1: three weeks <laughs> three <so> weeks <laughs> to
0: stew on it and Dundee said we gotta get more to sell more tickets oh my god he didn't care
1: and you won again yeah so, so then because you were rolling for a long time Win, 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 yeah, win,, about and then' or eighteen or
0: eleven, twelve, maybe fourteen in a row, and it, god damn, your your career was like,
1: you're not kidding. you were fighting all the time. So you start in july twenty second seventy five debut, and then on uh, your final record was you had twenty six total fights. So by the time you had your twentieth fight in july seventy seven so in two years, just under two years, you fought twenty times, and then that's where it started to spread out. And from seventy-seven to eighty-one, you only had six, and this is where you started losing. So what? Yeah. What were you just punch drunk? Like what was the deal? No, I
0: was just tired. I was just I I, I you know I didn't feel like fighting anymore. You mm. know I was I was making I was living in Miami. I met some really nice people. I was making good money. You know you're making money. You don't want to do it anymore. When I when I went when I would turn pro, there was about Seventy five hundred pros in America. Seven thousand five hundred. Today is maybe two thousand. There's only two thousand pros in the Probably country? Probably two thousand pros in this country.
1: How many in the world? Not too much more.
0: Like times ten kind of deal? No, no way do mm. that. That's not a ton. Maybe four thousand total all over the world. There's not a lot there's not a lot, and only two percent of them make it. Make money
1: yeah yeah and I mean you you even seems make, high, make
0: make money make ten thousand dollars for a fight. that's not money.
1: It's better than nothing, but yeah, I know yeah what I you mean. know talking
0: about ten thousand yeah. dollars by the time by the time you get six weeks in six weeks, eight weeks of training your your food, your supplements, um massages, you know you have to pay for st- trainers, you know uh, um strength and conditioning, and all that by the time that's all comes out, what do you come up with maybe? 2500 3500 in your pocket.
1: Yeah, the fight and the fight game there's just there's hands everywhere.
0: Look at look at everywhere. look at MMA. Yeah. Look at MMA. It's scary. You fight MMA, you fight for tickets. Whatever tickets you sell is what you make.
1: Even in the UFC though, As like the these UFC, guys don't get
0: nothing compared to fighters.
1: They get a really small percentage compared to boxing. Now there's so looking at this two ways this is interesting to talk about too i'd love your thoughts on this on the one hand dana white very much invented that sport in the public eye right Right. it was it was a sport obviously but like he made it a thing he made it like oh my god it's the ufc we're gonna watch it so from a business perspective he's also the face like the fighters are the draw but he put it all together and like they're they're not the only game in town, but they're the only big, big game in town. Like Bellator is there. There's a few others that are solid, but they're they're not the UFC. So the brandability power of being in the UFC, you can have way more upside on total purse to make. However, the fighters, as I said, are the draw, and I don't have the percentages in front of me, so I don't want to say them, but it's low. They make a very low percentage of the deal here. So even if I think that relative to other sports or even like boxing yeah a guy like dana white and the ufc itself should take a bigger cut than you'd get in boxing or something like that fine i may think that the cut the numbers i've heard and i will look them up the numbers i've heard it's ridiculous it's like scary it's It's not right
0: astronomical it's not right and these guys are, are out there and they're getting elbowed and hit with elbows in the back of the head uh knees Come on. I mean, they're risking their life. They're wearing four ounce gloves to hit yeah. you. If I hit somebody with a four ounce glove, I'll kill them.
1: It's it, when I watch, it's, it's one of those sports. I do watch it. I'm a, I'm a casual fan. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. But like, it's hard. Wa- like when you see someone's face go dead, cause they've been knocked out with that shot and the ref, you know, he's, two feet feet away away, and he's throwing more punches but he could be like eight feet away and that dude who's knocking him out while the motherfucker's in the air about to hit the mat boom he's down on the mat and hitting him in the head like with the thing where they do it like this where they hit him like Like with the open palm and shit or like with the yeah with the hammer and like every time I go see that, I got to turn away because there's a dead defenseless head on the ground. And the dude's just doing his job because it hasn't been called. And boom, boom, boom. Like every time. You
0: better because if you don't, he gets up. That's He'll what be I'm doing saying. It but you. it's
1: like, how do you not die? Yeah.
0: I'm I mean, some the, do. But. And they say, oh, it's not. Uh, they say boxing is barbaric. Not like that. Give me a break. Will you please watch the two sports? It's not even close. No, it's nowhere near close. And I the mean, boxing if you have a refs good, are all over it. And, and you know what? And that's one thing. No matter what sport it is, as long as you have good people in the ring with them, the third man in the ring, if he's a good person and he knows his sport, you're going to be okay. You, As long as you trust that guy in the ring with you, you're okay. It's just when you, don't, when you have guys that are new and don't know what they're doing, people can get hurt in any sport.
1: That's what scares me, though, at the lower levels, what you were talking about earlier with the whole USA boxing and guys can just become refs. Like, I know when I'm watching a pro fight, chances are that ref's probably pretty good been been around done a few things been on refs, tv re,
0: but refs don't have nothing to do with the scoring in a pro fight
1: no but i'm saying like the guy in the ring there though like that's the person who breaks them up that's right. the person who calls someone seeing 12 It'll fingers save your life yes you know it doesn't make me feel good about the lower ranks when people are coming up and you could have joe fucking blow in there in the ring it's a scary thing but to your point it's not like the ufc is a different
0: animal yes they're they it's insane I, I i don't i i didn't like it because of the way the way they the way they uh, elbows and knees and things like that but you know what it's another sport i give everybody to do enjoy have fun. you like it have fun you know i train a lot of guys what they call their stand up we call boxing strike they call striking mm-hmm. we call it boxing i teach them a lot of the m m a guys their boxing i help them out how much
1: overlap is there for real this is a conversation i'll have with people sometimes and i don't feel at all qualified to have it as it, you know i know what i know it's minimal and i know that they're just to the eye there's a way different skill set to the striking to me tell me if i'm wrong in ufc than boxing because you have to be number one much more aware of the space and much more aware of that Person's ability to close the space with things that aren't their hands, right? right? Like a right. leg can come out right, of nowhere. Exactly. So, like, the approach is different. That's why it was so impressive when McGregor did what he did and when he fought Mayweather. But, like, how much is the basis of it, like the basics of where your feet are, how you lead with a jab, how you come in with the hook? How much of that is like overlap with well, boxing?
0: Well, uh, in boxing, you want to be less of a target. So, you're trying st- what we call, st- uh, well, what I call, stand skinny. You stand skinny, so you're less of a target. Okay, in MMA, you have to use your leg. When you say stand skinny, you're saying you like kind of turn a little bit no, more I, angle. No, I'm a, a little, yeah, it's the way you are now. You're not facing this way, so that you're what they call squared yeah. up. Yeah, you're not squared. You want to be skinny, and uh in in, in uh, MMA, they're they're kind of they want to use the back leg to kick with. You don't ever kick. They kick with the front leg yep. a lot. They use the front kick, but the back leg is the power where they come and they throw it. And so they got they have to. Um, They have to stand a little more squared up.
2: They're Mm. a little more
0: squared so you can get that kick off faster. Carlos
1: used to make me, like he trained me boxing and he'd make me train just like basics with with the kicking end of it and everything. I liked it. I'm more of a boxing fan, but it's an amazing workout, the lower body. But like, I remember the first time he was telling me about like where you'd stand square and how you kick back. The leg that you're going to plant with right. just to get the other leg forward with momentum and i'm hitting the bag and you know i'm a guy in a gym and i'm like holy shit if i hit someone on the chin with that me they're not getting up no
0: they can't you get hit with a foot in the face you're done
1: now so. think about a pro yeah. throwing that with a boulder of a leg yeah. fucking rocket ship coming <laughs> at your chin
0: <laughs> it's it's scary you know i mean people who know how to throw their feet you got you got to be careful. You never know when it's coming.
1: Did you think that that sport was going to take off when it's back when it started, like kind of coming up?
0: No, not when it first took off. No, I didn't think. But it, uh, Dana White knows how to market. He does. Yeah, he's a marketing genius. Can't f- take nothing from him. But he does screw those guys. I mean, I don't. You know, Dana. I hope you're listening, but you you got to give those guys more money i mean when you if you sign with the ufc and let's say you sign with nike nike comes to you and says we want you to wear our stuff we want to give you want to sponsor you he gets
1: 10% whatever if you you're sign, wearing it outside of whatever, ufc whatever, sanctioned events
0: whatever you sign with nike he gets 10%
1: that one I have less of a problem with. I have a problem with it because of the amount he takes on the events. Because these guys can't fight more than a couple times a year. Because it's fucking insane the type of fighting they do. So they get a chance to get a... And that's when they have their attention for a quick moment. They get their chance to get out there and make money. That's where I have an issue where he's taken a lot of that. So because he takes a lot of that, I have an issue with that 10%. If he paid them fairly in the fight... I'd understand that because he's basically giving them the biggest fucking brand in the world and there's nothing like it.
0: Okay, I, you're 100% right, but they, they get paid so little.
1: That's what I'm saying. That's why I have an it's, issue it's with not, it.
0: It's not, it's not fair. A guy goes out there, take his life in his hands, they get paid peanuts. It's just not right. And, you know, the events make a ton of money. Usually full. I've never seen one of them not full. And how much are the pay-per-views now? Pay-per-views are not... It's all according to who it is. They go from seventy, from forty-five to ninety.
1: Yeah, and it's quick. People just they hit a button on this, you know, you don't see the money go. It's like a subscription service. You don't see the money go out. So it's like ah, fuck it, I'll buy it. It's it's a great business model, but you're starting to hear more noise now. Yeah, from people inside and outside the sport. Like this motherfucker doesn't pay. That's gonna.
0: Oh yeah, that's he's, gonna he's got, come up. It's gonna bite him in the ass. If he doesn't, if he doesn't start, you know, if there are, uh, no, who's going to want to keep fighting for him? Go to Bellator; they're paying, they're paying better. You know, Bellator pays a lot better than UFC, so that's why those guys, most of the guys you see that they say to come to the end of their career in the UFC, go to Bellator. They're going there because they want to make money.
2: Hmm. Mm.
1: But in in your career, just to go back to that, you were saying that you you didn't have it in you. After a couple of years there, because you, I mean, you only had one loss and it was the one loss you told me about. You were 19 and 0, but then it started to go off, off the rails a little bit. But did you say you were doing something else?
0: Yeah, was, I had a couple of car washers in Miami, mm. you know, I was investing money that I would make on you know on the fights. And, uh, I was, I was doing real good. I, 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 uh, invested a, my ex-wife opened up something called Jolie, which was a, a clothing line for children. You know, our kids were the models. She would do shows, fashion shows, and the kids were the models. And the kids' classmates were the models. And it was good. It was a nice thing. She was selling clothes and uh, designer clothes for kids. She was designing everything. And we'd get it made and then uh, have a show and sell them. The Bloomingdale's and Saks and all that stuff. She got the business bug. She got it, yeah. She wanted to do something. But you kind of got it too. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to do something also. I mean... You know getting up at 5 a.m wasn't making it after two years you know what I mean I broke my ass I did everything I was like you said at the time I was 19 and one or 20 and one and uh, I was done you know I was okay I'm done i you know it's ranked and I, I don't need I don't need this no more. I could you know that's what happens you know you think you don't need it no more when you don't when you don't think you need it then just get out of the ring don't get in that ring because uh it's not gonna be good
1: yeah, I heard someone recently talking about that, some old fighter. I can't remember what it was or who it was, but they were explaining the same thing where it's like, and and Dubs actually had a line when he was in here. He was saying, I think Hearn had a quote that said, it's hard to wake up at 4 a.m. to train in silk pajamas. There's a thing that happens where, you know, you start making a lot of money doing well you're also it's a rough sport you do it so many times you did 20 fights in two years you're training at fifth street gym you're training with the best in the world like in your case there's so many different things going on every day it's full time and then you know you're the guy around town like you said and now it's like oh i'm not gonna i'm not gonna train three a day tomorrow for this like oh th- you know what fuck it i'll i'll go in there i'll I'll just do what I do and I'll knock someone out in the first round and see what happens. And what the guy I was listening to, I wish I remember who it was, but he was saying like your training might have the same amount of time in it, but it doesn't have the same energy. And yeah. when it doesn't have the same energy, the, the result hunger. is never the same. The yeah.
0: hunger. You don't, you're not hungry anymore. You're not hungry, you, you make money. Like you said, it's hard to it's hard to get up at four AM in your silk pajamas. Nobody wants to get up. You know, and I don't blame you know and, and and I can't blame anybody, you know. But when after you get that first million-dollar gate, you got a million-dollar fight, and you're putting a couple hundred thousand in the bank. You know, you get any car you want, any girl you want. You go buy a house. You know, it's it's different thing. Oh, my God. You got to say to yourself, if I want to keep this stuff, I got to keep training like I'm
2: doing.
0: Mm. And a lot of guys don't do it. They just can't do it. Did it's, you recognize that? Yeah, I recognized it. But at the time... uh. At the time when I you talking about when I was younger, things were different. There was a lot of money being made in Miami. A lot of different money, not just legit. No. You know. I was making crazy money, so I, I didn't need boxing.
1: Oh, did you get into that business then? Uh,
0: yeah, I got into it. And yeah. Every everybody did. If you were if you lived in Miami you didn't have a choice. Kids walking down the street with a with a cart, you know, pulling a little wagon with a fifty pound bale of weed in it. <laughs>
1: I love this topic. I, you just walked into a bear trap there. I love, <laughs> I love the whole, like, how Miami just exploded, and then it was all just... It was insane. It wasn't... Most of the money coming through there, even to this day, it's not legit money. It's, oh, it's no, they, they, crazy they lock, they lock shit. They locked Miami
0: down. Miami now, in Miami, the difference is uh, heroin and fentanyl have made a big... It's everywhere. It's so yeah. sad. It's sad, but... But heroin is the big thing down there, and and fentanyl now because they don't even use heroin anymore. They take a, you know, take a, an ounce of fentanyl, cut it thirty five times, and sell it for three thousand an ounce.
1: And it's so cheap for them to make it. They're all they're doing it in in China, and yeah. They're putting it through here to Mexico, and then yeah. right here
0: exactly. Crazy, crazy.
1: So, wh- back then, I mean, were you, like, in the cocaine trade? Like, what was the... Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I never saw cocaine. I never. I, I moved to Miami. I was not involved in drugs. Uh, my father was a wise guy. He was involved in all that. But I never saw it. Never was involved. Never did anything.
1: Oh, your dad was connected? Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Mm. So, he, my, my father was a numbers guy. You know, mm. he, he did the numbers all over Patterson and Passaic and Paseca, Morris County, Passaic County. all he North Jersey. He did, he did all the numbers. He did really big.
1: So... Um, you didn't want to get into that, though.
0: I was like... doing my own thing. I mm-hmm. wasn't, you know. But um, yeah, my cocaine in Miami. I was working in my night. They got me a job at a nightclub. One of the Mendoza group owned a nightclub in Coconut Grove called the Widow McCoys, and uh, Widow McCoys is a cool club. All all the all the young Cuban girls would come there and dance, and they were beautiful, man. A difference back when I was a kid when I was over at the Widow McCoys the girls in new jersey all wore blue jeans who had long hair and were smoking weed that's all they did blue jeans (laughs) girls in miami were a little different girls in miami had one shoulder dresses with (laughs) slits up the side high heels with lipstick polished nails ripping lines of blow off a spoon Uh, they were hot they were hot man they were the girls were ripped i mean uh, i was like whoa man whoa and it was beautiful it was really nice and then uh This kid comes to the the Wooden McCoys one night, and he pulls in in a brand-new 450SL convertible. Gets out of the car. He's got a thick gold chain on with a big medallion with diamonds. (laughs) He's got a Rolex watch on with diamonds. And I go, hey, your father and mother take care of you, right, kid? Father and mother take care of me. I just bought my father and mother a house. I gave my mother a car and my father a truck. I go, yeah, how'd you do that? He throws me a box, a box of matches from our club. He goes, open it. I open it up, and it was cocaine. He goes, that's a gram of coke. I sell these here. I I sell maybe twenty five, thirty in a night. I sell them for fifty dollars.
1: Oh, so he was he was a salesman, like he wasn't even a distributor.
0: Just a salesman making crazy money. I'll bet he was selling. He was selling. He said, I sell five to seven ounces in your club every week. So you figure it out. Yeah. He goes, I'm making crazy money.
1: Now, how much was he kicking back to the owners? To the owner
0: of the clubs, yeah, nothing. They, they, they don't, don't care. You didn't, you didn't. They didn't know about it. No, they didn't know. So I said, "Well, you're done here." He goes, "Oh, come on, go, no, you're gonna give it to me." Yeah, and now I, there's a I'm price. Gonna <laughs> I'm gonna do it. So he goes, "Oh man," I go, "Just sell me the ounce and I'll do it." So he, that's what we started doing because he used to come to my fights too, so he knew who I was. So I started doing it. I give the bartender the, the package, and we'd sell it every night, and I made make a ton of money. I'm making twenty. I'm making fifteen hundred at the door. I yeah. was charging $3 to get in, $3 to get in at the door. Just to you. Yeah, there's no charge. <laughs> well, the, owner, the owner of the place told me when, he, when I got the job, he says, Lou, listen, I'm going to let you manage the place. You be the bouncer and the manager. Oh, my God. He goes, but I want you to lose money. I don't want to win money. I to. This is my lost leader. I, I, this is where I have my taxes, I pay my taxes through this place because we, we're going to lose money. I said, I could do that. So I started charging at the door and keeping the money. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I started
0: selling. I brought in Chevette's Regal. What does that do for him? Nothing. It does nothing. He don't want nothing. <laughs> so, hey, so I, I bring in, I bring in four bottles of Chevette's uh, Regal. The Cubans call it Chivas.
2: Chivas, Regal. Chivas, 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 Chivas yeah. on the
0: rocks. Yeah. So I, I would bring in four bottles of Chevette's Regal and put the a red line on it and tell the boy to you know, put that money in a different box. So he would pour it from my bottles every night into the box, and we would. And then I'd give him some money out of that, and I would keep the rest. But I was making crazy money then. I mean, it was I was making crazy ass money, and it was great. It was off the hook.
1: When did they get you that job? Like right away?
0: No, no. About uh, a month into me training. After. Okay,
1: so while you were a pro, you were doing this too. Yeah,
0: yeah. I was working at, at night as a as a manager of a nightclub.
1: No shit. How long did you do that for? Two three years. Wow. Two years. So then you come up on the end of your career, your wife's got the business, you were invested
0: in car washes and yeah, stuff. I had a car wash on Biscayne Boulevard. Go way to launder money. Just had, saying. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I was also doing the, the coke business, you know. Yeah. like weed, marijuana. The boats would come off the off, off the shore, dump it in the water, and you go out with your boats and pick them up and bring, bring back the bales.
1: Have you ever seen the Cocaine Cowboys documentary?
0: Oh, yes. I know all those
1: so guys. like Mickey Monday and all them.
0: I know all those guys.
1: That's hilarious.
0: Yeah, they were all they were they were pilots. They were making big money. Boy, they made crazy ass money. I was so happy for them.
1: So were you? Got gu- were you taking the boat out there and picking
0: it up? Yeah. Oh my god. I had a Donzi with a three hundred and two Chevy engine in it. I used to fly out, put grab four, five, six bales, come back, and they pay you there. They pay you at the shore. They give them the bales. They give you the money. Go back out and get another. I used to go. For, I used to, who would pay you at the shore? The people who owned the weed. They put it on the boat, on the track, on the trucks.
1: Oh, so you would, in addition to doing what you were doing, you would also just be the gopher to just go out go and get actually it and get bring it. it back, and you well, get paid to go get yeah, it and bring yeah, it back.
0: Yeah, they pay everybody. They have a bunch of people there in boats going out. And picking so you never have to, have to sell it. You're, You're just, talking about a big ship coming, just throwing bales in the water, and you guys pick them up, throw them in, the, in your boat, bring them back to shore. You give them the, You have to take at least four. You give them. I used to take six. Give them the six, and they pay you. But I have my wife or a friend of mine sitting in a car, pay them. And I go back out again. Go in and out. So this part
1: of the business, you weren't even selling anything. You no, were just, just going pick and picking it up. Picking it just up. Just pick it up. Now, yeah. How often did you do that? And then
0: when it got into short, after they after got everything off, and they took it to a warehouse, you want to go and pick up bales. You could buy them. you want bales there,
1: and then price it out and yeah, sell. sell. it. Yeah. Right, right. So
0: I, I used to bring mine back to Jersey because that's where you get the most money. You buy it in Miami for you buy dirt weed in Miami for sixty dollars.
1: Was a this pound. was this always was this weed and coke or was it? no Just
0: weed and coke it was both
1: yeah so they drop it off because they would do it what's that called in miami there was like the hotel or the the apartment building on the corner where they'd have the people in binoculars watching you know what i'm talking about
0: like K- where? this game
1: yeah i think that's it yeah so then they they would dump it like three four miles out and you were one of the guys who would go get it yeah and bring it back yeah now how many days a week were you doing that
0: oh no not weeks it was once a month or twice a month that's it okay you get fifteen thousand dollars go out and pick it up fifteen thousand dollars to go pick it up yeah, off the ocean yeah, and bring it back and every every trip you get fifteen thousand
1: now how did you what, what was the system they had they had tracking devices on it on the weed yeah no what, what like how did not you then not that time so how did you identify where it was it's right there the ships
0: right there they're throwing it in the water oh so they wait till you get there no they don't wait they're throwing it in as soon as they get there they're throwing it in you they're they're looking for people with boats to go out there and get it the drug dealers, go get it, go get it, go get it. Yeah, I Usually I knew all the drug dealers. I knew the people from being in the clubs. So they would ask me, you got a boat? I go, yeah, I got a boat. They go, you want to make some money? Yeah, I want to make some money. Okay, here's what you got to do. And I said, let's go. And that's when I started going.
1: All right, so let me understand this. They're flying in the plane. Maybe they're coming from the Bahamas at this point because they would start in Colombia right. And then they'd fly to the Bahamas. I forget, did, did they drop off stuff there too? Yeah. Okay. In the so Bahamas, they, yeah. They dropped off stuff there. Then they'd come from the Bahamas and shoot west, directly towards Miami. So when they go to take off, it's whatever it is, like a 15-minute flight, whatever it is. They're taking off in the Bahamas, and they're going to be there. So if there's not a boat out there, they're still dumping it? Yeah, of course. So th-
0: sometimes, how long would, would they the They come blow- in ships too. I'm sure. Marijuana but like, usually came in a ship. Coke came in a plane. So the boat would just dump it? Dump the bales right off. They keep throwing the bales off. What was the
1: longest time it was sitting there before you got there?
0: Sometimes twenty minutes. How did you know where it was going to be? It's they a tell, fucking you, they ocean. tell you right where it's going. But it's an ocean. It. It's a big ship there, a big giant ship. I know, but then you got like it, a like, container ship. There's waves and shit. Like it's gonna no, float no, no, away. No, no, no. It's not like there's no waves. There's no waves like that. No, it's right there. I shouldn't say waves. There's like currents, though. No, it's not that bad. Believe me, they know what they're doing. If the ship's right there, the stuff they throw in the water, it's an actual actual big circle of it. And it's and how, right he- there. how heavy was like? 40-pound bales. I grabbed one bale, throw it in the tr- truck, another one, throw it in the back. I just kept throwing one hand on the wheel, grabbing the bales and throwing them in. And then I turned the boat around go in. Pick up my money and go back and get another one. Sometimes you can make five trips before the Coast Guard comes. So they would dump them in heats. They would do like one circle, come back around, do another. Unless the Coast Guard saw the big ship and saw them circling, then they'd have to go. They'd have to get out. How many How many was the most they'd do? Six? You were saying? Uh, maybe five, five, six. So what's that? Like three, four hours of work to do five, six? A lot. One is two hours of work. See, that's why I said you don't. You got to get lucky because if the Coast Guard comes, if the Coast Guard comes, you, you got to go. I had a 35-foot cigarette. I mean, a, um, I had an 18-foot cigarette with a 302 Chevy engine in it. So I used to hit How that. How fast could that go? It was 75 on the water.
1: And it took, But it was only three miles out. It took now, you two hours a trip?
0: No, it's not three miles out. Less than that. How far out was it? Maybe a mile and a half. So how's it taking two hours a trip? Two, two hours. Who said two hours? You were saying... I said two hours for all the sh- all the boat to get rid of whatever they dropped in the water. And then you come back in. Wait, wait. Back two off. hours of going back and forth. Right. Okay, okay. Total, you're saying. Yes. And that includes, like, the drop-off yeah, and yeah, everything. Yeah. Two hours of picking up, dropping off, picking up, dropping off, picking up, dropping off, as much as you can before the Coast Guard comes.
1: Not that they, like because salt water spoils coke especially they're I mean wrapped. it spoils These everything but it, yeah. it spoils they're,
0: coke they're completely all, oh Coke? no coke's wrapped so th- how would they do coke it? coke would be in like 20 kilo packages or 40 kilo cap packages big
1: packages now what would they th- what would they wrap it in
0: well individual kilos wrapped in plastic right and then but what the, else the is big on things it? like a rubber like a rubber thing though so it floats mm. it would just float the stuff would just float big package of float you pull it in the boat take off
1: now they put like any i guess they don't need to because it already weighs 40 pounds but was there anything to like kind of because i'm still trying to picture this like keep it in the same area because if i dump if i'm a mile off right right, and it's the atlantic ocean and i dump something it's 40 pounds 50 pounds whatever it is if it's if i let 20 minutes go by it could be a half a mile that way
0: They'll, maybe not a half they, a mile they know what they're doing there's no current is right there it's right there when we pull out there they're right there right there in front of you, you can't miss them they're right there
1: now were you doing I, I imagine you're doing a check as you're going out like do i see any coast
0: guard boats like oh no you it? gotta take a look because the coast guard comes they What well, they coast guard usually before they caught on they had the big light in the front <laughs> so you say they got that big light. wait are you
1: doing this at night yeah always at night
0: yeah, always at night.
1: I guess that makes sense because you can see the fucking plane during the time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
0: see the big ship out there a mile Like, what the
1: fuck's he doing? <laughs> you, mean, you know those planes that like fly by the beach with the sign on them? You just see one of those flying by like, oh, what's that coming out the back?
0: <laughs> <laughs> see a I was, boat uh, hey, come right funny, there. Funny, I'm coming home from the port of Miami one day. I'm on, uh, I'm on the airport expressway and I, you know, I'm in traffic and I see this DC-9 Low, flying over South Miami, I go and they had the side door open. I go, that motherfucker, he's gonna drop stuff. He's dropping, he's dropping. So I shoot out of the traffic. I go all the way back down. and I'm following the plane. He's throwing stuff off the out of the plane because the, the the police are, are are yelling to him in the cars. You know, get land that plane, land that plane. So he's throwing all the coke out of the plane <laughs> and it's hitting houses and busting. <laughs> And one guy's outside. He's, mo- he's uh, watering his lawn, and he, and a and kilo hits his shirt, and it's all over. The coke busted. And the guy goes, "What the fuck is that?" Man? And I'm going, "I'm going, yo, don't worry, I'll clean it up." Says, no, I'm calling the police. I said, "Don't do that. Don't do that. Let me clean it up." <laughs> You're out there with a fucking dustpan. I'm like, trying no, to clean it up. On. Shut up leave it alone. The guy, the guy wouldn't let. Me... Oh, no, the guy would call God. the cops. He wouldn't let you on the property. Call the cops. Oh it was my like 40, 50 kilos that just said, maybe one broke, and it's all over the place. And he got mad as shit. I go, leave it alone. It's cocaine. Don't worry about <laughs> it. He goes, no, no, I'm calling the police. I go, oh, whatever. Oh, my God. Idiot. We can make, make 100000
1: right now. Did you? Yeah, at least. I mean, you, talk, you could be talking millions depending on how much drop. But yeah, I should let it
0: go. We'll, I'll get rid of it. We'll make a ton of money. He goes, no,
1: no. <laughs> no, no, no. Get out of here. Get out of here. You didn't see it that way. But did you deal with the Colombians?
0: Oh yeah, Colombia. I usually deal with the Cubans. Mm. The Cubans. There was like three in or the eighties. Three or four Cubans that dealt with the Colombians.
1: Now what was it? They 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 actually just did a documentary on this, and I watched some of it. But I got it's on Netflix. They did a documentary on. I I think they were cousins. They were at least friends. Sal and what the hell was the other guy's name? Sal and Willie. Willie Falcone and, and Sal. Oh,
0: Falcon, yeah. And, and
1: Sal Magalota or or M- Magloda, something like that. So they were the Cubans yes. who in the eighties were like the guys. Yes,
0: they were getting the coke from the Colombians.
1: Did you deal with those guys?
0: Yeah, I knew them. I knew people who were with them, and I dealt with them. That was that was, met I mean, them at the clubs. You know, I met them. I, I I got I got walk in the club because of who I was, boxing and and uh, everything like that. So they, I just walked right in
1: damn so you towards the end of your career that's when you were getting losses because you weren't into it anymore because you were doing this
0: yeah making money crazy
1: money so what like did you have a conversation with dundee
0: no no i didn't they didn't know what i was doing
1: no no not obviously i I would assume they're not knowing that but was there like you know you're 19 0 and 1 or you're 19 and 1 with the one loss being like an aberration and then suddenly you lose a couple fights And then I'm seeing they're giving you less fights after that. Like, is that a conversation that starts to happen? Like, hey, you don't have it anymore? What's wrong
0: with you? No, no, no. They said to me, yeah, what's up, Lou? You want to fight? You don't seem like you want this.
2: Mm.
0: I said, ah, you know, just so busy, so busy. (laughs) They said, no, you're not supposed to be busy. This is your fight. This is your life. You're supposed to be doing this. And they wanted me to come, you know, get back into it and, and try harder. But I was married and... You know, it just just my wife was pregnant, and you know, I, I promised her when she got pregnant I would retire. Mm. So that was another thing. She was bugging me about, you know, I don't want you talking through an interpreter to the kids. So I said, that's not going to happen. I'm a pitcher, not a catcher. <laughs> and she said, No, no, I don't want, I don't want nothing to happen to you.
1: So that's in your head a little bit. I yeah. mean, did you ever feel like did you ever feel hazy?
0: No, I mean, yeah, you get punched a good shot, you know. But nothing where you're hurt, like, you know. You weren't letting people punch you too much, either. I was trying not to.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just not, I mean, if people go look at, at your record on BoxRec, knockout, 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 everything's a knockout. How many times did you even go the distance? I think you I You went, went the distance in Madison Square Garden. Yes. With Rojas in 77. What's it like fighting in the garden? That's a oh, good question.
0: Oh, that's, that's outrageous. That's, you get the willies walking in because it's. You're talking about Madison Square Garden, you know? Yeah. You the hear cathedral. the announcer you hear the announcer in the ring as you're coming towards the ring. It's cra- it's unbelievable. It's great. It's what a feeling.
1: And that's like your home arena too, yeah, growing yeah. up in North Jersey. Yep, being right there. Yeah. Yep. And were you were you an undercard on that one? Yeah. And who was fighting that night?
0: Um Jerry Cooney I mean, uh yeah, Jerry Cooney knocked oh, yeah. out knocked out um Ken Norton. Hit him in the throat. I've seen the video of that fight. I fought after them. I wasn't supposed to fight because the fight was... That's like a famous fight. It was supposed to be a 12-round fight. So Cooney knocks him out in the first round. Yeah. So they called me. They yelled to me, Lou, you got you to gotta fight. What? <laughs> the fight's over. I'm dressed. I'm leaving. They go, no, you got to get ready. Go, well, you got to gotta fight. Damn it. I'm so it wasn't back. even planned. Run inside, get dressed real fast. They brought my hands. And I and I get in the ring and
1: they threw you in the ring with another 250
0: pound man, unprepared. Both, yeah, both of us weren't prepared. First two rounds, that's why the final round went the distance. The first couple rounds, we were just like waking back up because we were just he was at the bar drinking when they called, <laughs> and I was I was getting ready to go.
1: So you didn't like that was like a halfway experience. You couldn't really take it in because it's right. not like you're planning for the guard and then suddenly you're like up oh, you'll do. Let's go get in.
0: He, we need you, we, nuts, need, you, we need, you, need you to fill a time for TV. Get in. Do you know how many lawsuits there would be today <laughs>
1: if they let that happen? there would be, be, be a nine figure night. <laughs> all, all in all. I mean, like, holy yeah. shit. So that was and that was right before that was when you were still winning everything. Yeah. And then like, when did you start doing the, the whole Mickey Monday going out and getting the boats or going out and getting the blow? Like how long into your boxing career?
0: Oh, about a year and a half year and a half so year.
1: right before this yeah okay it kind of makes sense so you're working and that's like an all-night job well, when stuff you're like out that.
0: when you're out in miami and you're you're meeting everybody yeah everybody's making money and you're at you know they, you want to make some money they always they're asking people you know you want to make some money you know, who doesn't want to make money yeah. right
1: cash and what about like what about the greats though like ali frazier these guys
0: they're getting paid millions i wasn't getting paid millions. right
1: but still the question you know money's money how much to peer behind the wall here? How much of it was they were training all the time, hundred percent, exactly like we think about it in pop lore? Versus they were also having a good fucking time.
0: Oh yeah, they were having a good time. And, and remember, boxing when you're going to train for a fight, it's eight weeks. You can do what you want until the eight weeks comes up.
1: You got even those week-
0: guys though. Yeah, even those guys. And them, they, no, they didn't go crazy, crazy, but they were, they didn't, they didn't. Uh, live, eat, and sleep boxing until it was time.
2: Mm.
0: You know? When it was time, then they they got down to business and worked hard for eight weeks and got ready for a fight. What was Muhammad Ali like? The best guy in the world. He was really a good guy. I remember they called me to sit at the spar one day at the Fifth Street gym. So I'm sitting there, and as I'm sitting there, Pacheco's catching me. And it actually became a, a Hallmark card the front of a Hallmark card. It has a picture of me sitting there, and I'm looking down at Sully. Sully's a little old man in the gym, the guy who who sweeps the floor and has a big cigar in his mouth, and he's going like this to me. He's pointing to me. And I'm looking at him with my headgear on, my boxing gloves, my cup, and I'm waiting to go in the ring. And he's giving me instructions, and it says on the top of the card, advice. And uh, he made a lot of money for it. I never got nothing out of it. Cheap faster, but uh, what are you going to do? But um, I get in the ring with Ali, and uh, I'm moving around. He said, I just want you to move around box today, Lou, just box. So I said, okay. So I'm moving around box, box, box. Go back to Bell rings. go back to the corner. He said, you look good. You look really good. Muhammad Ali looks at you and says, you look good. No, no, the, the other corner, my corner. Okay. Ali's in his corner. I'm in my corner. He said, you look great today. Wow, what's up? I don't know. So Bell rings. go back out there. Same thing. Moving, moving, slipping, you know, a few jabs. I hit him with body, a couple of body shots. Go back to the bell rings, go back to the corner. They go, wow. Now the people outside the ring, are all, all starting to talk. Oh, oh, oh these guys looking, whatever. Third round, same thing. I'm still looking good, they say. You know, I come back to the corner. What the fuck, Lou? You, I mean, you took that step, man. You hurt him I, a little bit? No, not, mm-hmm. you know, neither of us are getting hurt yet, but we're, we're in there. We're boxing. Fourth round, I jab him into the ropes. He comes off the ropes, hits me forty times. (laughs) 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 What the fuck? I go, what happened? He goes, oh, I was thinking. I go, man, go back to thinking. (laughs) (laughs) Go back to thinking. Leave me the (laughs) holy shit. He started laughing, then we started moving around again, and and then everybody shut up. (laughs) How often did you spar, Ali? I spar with him about. 25 times. Holy shit. 25, 30. Now how many rounds would you do sparring with him? Uh, two or, th- sometimes two, sometimes four, sometimes three. It's all according to what he wanted. How, how many other heavyweights were there? Mm. You know, they, he always sparred with different guys. What's it like taking a punch from Ollie? Yeah, he so he was so fast. He was just so fast, you know. I mean, and he had, he had that snap behind his punch. So when you, you, you got hit with it, you felt it. But, uh, it was good. He was just a good fighter. Good, great good guy. Good fighter. Good guy. Good guy, though. I mean, I remember one night I'm at, I'm fighting, and he comes to my fight. He came to the fight. I had just knocked the guy out. So I, 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 I get out of the ring. I go back to my locker room to get ready. Because after every fight, I used to take my wife. We used to go to, to the Bahamas for two weeks. I could relax in the Bahamas and then c- come back and get ready for the next fight. But, uh... Trying to get in my locker and it's locked. I go, who the hell locked my locker? And I'm pulling. I go, give me a knife. I can get it open. All of a sudden, the door opens. This much. It's Ali. He goes, give me, a, give me a few minutes. You know, I'm the champ. I said, give you a few minutes. That's... I, I, I said, okay. I shut the door. I sit down. And I don't say nothing. About eight, nine minutes later, so a girl opens the door, walks out, fixing her hair. Ali comes out, going, don't forget, I'm the champ. <laughs> <laughs> I go, oh my god. <laughs> let me get my clothes (laughs) oh my god that's
1: unbelievable he's just he's such a legend in the sense because you know he's also dead now which adds something to it because he's not even with us but he stood for so many different things in culture that went beyond boxing you know he just had such a obviously it starts with the whole Refusing to go to Vietnam and everything, which yeah, in hindsight, I, I, know,
0: I have no beef with them people.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it look, it looks like a pretty good decision in hindsight on his part, based on what happened with that war. But it was so controversial at the time, and he was this larger than life person, too. You know, he had such a—I mean, to me, he's people, one of the greatest speakers
0: ever. People love to hate him, then they just love him. They love to hate him in the first when he started when he was. Um, predicting his fights and Big Mouth and all that stuff. They thought he was a Big Mouth, but he wasn't a big... He was a promoter. That's what he's doing. He's promoting the fights. People bought tickets. They wanted to go. That's why, you know, I want to see him get beat. They want mm. to see him get beat. So I'm talking uh, Archie Moore will fall in four, uh, you know, stuff like that, you know. And and then, and, and people wanted to go see it, and, they, and Archie would fall in four.
1: I think this is the part that, like, in general, we don't think about enough in you know, the casual boxing fan or just anyone who's like ever seen a fight is that whole aspect of what goes into driving the fight to get results. Like what drives the people who get a chance to contend to be able to get there? Number one, they have to be great. But number two, they got to market. They got to have like controversy. They got to have stuff around them. And he's the guy who, to me, I know there were guys doing it effectively before him. But when you look at the story of boxing as a sport and then, Dragging into UFC and stuff like that, and marketing in sports, he's the guy. He knew how to get. He knew how to say, "Get that spotlight right here," and and I'm going to earn it. You're going to you're going to be happy. It's here.
0: Yeah, Ali Ali definitely definitely was a promoter. He knew how to promote the fight. So you know, it was all beef, it was all hype, but he knew how to do it, and people wanted to come see him because of that. I mean, look when Ali fought back in those days, back in the day, like in the in the early '70s and '80s. You wore a tuxedo to go to a, a championship fight.
2: Mm.
0: And, you know, every every star was there. Every every big movie star, every TV star, all all the big politicians. There, everybody was at the fights. Today it's different. We we got on right now. We go to the fight. I mean, it's different, but uh, it's it was a it was a big thing. I mean, when I went to Fraser Alley One, I went with my dad. We said, was that?" Seventy-four or seventy-two. I'll, I'll look it up. Go ahead. Though. Ali Fraser won at the Madison Square Garden. My father got his ringside seats. My father wanted Fraser, and I wanted Ali. Of course, Fraser won. But, um, I mean, all the people that I saw at the fight, you know, Jack Nicholson was there. All of star movies, the women, the female movie stars, everybody was there. All the mayor, the governor, you know, stuff like that was we all there. You know what I mean? Like, wow, look at this. But, uh, You don't see that anymore. Not like
1: that. No. But here's the other thing. Like, it was very disappointing to me how, for example, McGregor handled this last fight when he snapped his leg and was on the ground. And then, you know, fucking talking about the other guy's wife and his DMs and shit. And I'm not going to support that. I, I just think that's so across the line and it feeds into some of the negativity he gets on his brand. But after i'll say that the other thing i'll say is he's a marketer he knows what gets attention people and
0: people want to go see him fight, yeah because yeah. he, he knows, you know you he, know he knows how to beef up a crowd but uh at the same time sometimes he doesn't he's not real smart he lets his mouth work before his brain so i know, agree so
1: but he i think he's my my takeaway there is that he's sitting on the mat now obviously like he didn't lose that fight per se his leg snapped but he's like holy shit i've now lost ever since that floyd thing now i've lost like two or three out of four fights i lost my one before this i'm in here my leg just snapped people are gonna be sitting at home going his career's over i gotta change the narrative right now so while i'm sitting on the mat people aren't gonna remember this they're gonna make fun of my leg and then talk about how i was talking shit on the mat and god damn it they are yeah. You know, people are asking for his next fight. They're not being, you know. There's still people going like, "Oh, he might be done," but they're they're tuned in
0: for the next fight. They're waiting here. Yeah, and they got him on the end of their seats. That's what he wants to do. I don't blame. I mean, look, I don't blame the guy. You know, how much how much time does he have left? Don't forget that sport. You don't have a long life. Yeah, he's been fighting for. He's been fighting in UFC for like a decade. Yeah, he ain't got Almost. a long life. He's got. He's got. He's got to grab it when he can. Because like we were talking about a minute ago, he don't make a lot of money.
1: How amazing was that when he made the crossover, though, and fought Floyd? Made $100 million. I mean, Floyd, yeah, th- granted, but they still. They gave him
0: $100 million. Floyd, Floyd Mayweather said, I'm going to give you $100 million. Make $100 million and fight the best fighter in the world. He looked pretty. Your first pro fight. He looked pretty fucking good, though. He didn't look bad. Like,
1: And I'm not going to sit here and be like, Floyd was going 1,000%. But well, Floyd was Floyd, and you could see it. I don't know what your opinion was, and correct well, me if you think I'm wrong, but you could see it like three rounds in where Floyd was like, oh, shit, this guy, this guy can fight. Well,
0: you know, he said he's got stamina. That's what he thought. He said, because usually a guy never fought before gets in a ring. Now, Floyd thinks after the first and second round, he's done. Yeah. But he had stamina. He's been in a ring before, per se. He's been in an octagon, but he's been in that situation before where he knows he has to last. And he fights five minute rounds, not three minute rounds. Still, the fight—you know—a lot of the fights they don't go.
1: I mean, weren't they doing? They were doing a twelve round fight. Yeah. No, they did eight round. Fight. No, uh, no, I think it was—it was at rounds. least ten. Eight rounds. I think it was, no, because he got. Eight rounds. It was a—it was a knockout by decision, or knock TKO, and that was in the ninth or tenth round.
0: No, it was eight, only eight. I'm going to check that. It was the seventh round. It was definitely. Hold on
1: because that you know that's like that's a lot remember, of time it
0: was only a it was only a exhibition it wasn't a fight
1: cuz i know the floyd one he just did with logan paul was 8 rounds that wasn't they're all 10 eight or rounds. 12 they're all 8 rounds why am i feeling like i remember this how many rounds would this have been in the 10th round look at that mayweather defeats mcgregor in 10th round yeah this was a special fight they did so it was scheduled for 12 rounds and recorded the second highest pay per view by... Rate in history, yeah. Because I remember thinking that, like, they're doing
0: for twelve rounds.
1: Yeah, it was it was supposed to be a twelve round. I remember that he lasted into the tenth round. Because I remember Floyd was starting to turn the fight in like this end of the fifth round. Scheduled
0: scheduled twelve rounds.
1: Like McGregor was winning the fight for like four rounds. It wasn't by like a fuck ton, but he was winning the fight. And then Floyd in the fifth round, you started to see him turn it. Sixth round, like whoa.
0: Well, what happened was. Uh, Floyd saw him keep keep dropping the uh, yeah the hand, yep. and then he just threw the right hand over it. kept throwing that. So, from the fifth round on, he kept hitting him with the right. kept hitting him with the right, and and McGregor couldn't get out of it. and And that was that was the end of it. That was the end.
1: Now you were you were saying Ali is your greatest of all time. When you hear people say that Floyd is pound for pound the best ever, what what do you think of that?
0: I, I like floyd midweather i think he's one i think he's he's really really great for boxing the way he the way he, the money he makes he's he's another promoter like Ali was and he's probably bigger than ali because he's making so much more talk about a guy who makes almost a billion dollars for a fight
1: yeah
0: i mean it, it, that, that's a lot of money you know and, and he's only doing what he loves and now he's old and he's still doing it you know, he didn't look
1: horrible. He didn't
0: look horrible no. against Logan. No, he no. He still do it. And uh, but you're talking about Muhammad Ali, who made boxing. There would be no Floyd Mayweather without Ali.
1: Mm.
0: Nobody would care. So,
1: but from a from a abilities perspective, forget abilities, the marketing,
0: forget all that
1: like pound. Uh, abilities for pound.
0: perspective, I'd have to say that Mayweather, pound for pound, would be the best.
1: And what makes him the best to you? Like, what does he do?
0: He's one of the best at not getting hit. Mm. His defense is off the hook. He can make you miss, stand right in front of you and make you miss. You're throwing punches. He's going like this, making your punches go left, right, left, right. He's really good, and then he can counter. He make you miss and counter, bang, make you miss counter, bang. So you're throwing punches, missing, and he's hitting you back. How the hell is he doing that?
1: It, it it looks like some people have complained over time, especially because he hypes up the fights so much. And then he fights like the casual fan. They always are in for it because of what happens before the fight, but they usually complain after his fights. And I'm like, you know, I, I don't pretend to be an expert at boxing. I'm not, but I know the sport. And I'm like, dude, it's because he's boxing. He's the best boxer. You want to see someone knock someone out in the second round. That's not what he does. That's right. That's not what he does. The guy from like, from my eyes, from very, very amateur eyes, it's like, I look at his footwork and then his speed and quickness that you were just alluding to with that footwork. And I'm like, I've never seen, it's like a dance. It's yeah. like watching someone tango for the first time from, from Cuba. It's, or you from spam. I get the country wrong, but wherever it's from, like, it's unbelievable.
0: Yeah. He's, he's unbelievable. He, he, know, he knows, he knows his way around the ring. I mean, you can't take that away from him. He can make you miss and then counter, and that's his—that's his big ticket. That's what he wants. That's what the, he gets away with. You know, he can make you miss and then counter, so he gets a score. He don't have to work hard; just has to win the fight. Nobody says he has to knock you out, like you said. He don't have to knock you out. I just have to win the fight. I'm here to win the fight. That's all. He doesn't have it. People get mad.
1: People get mad because he doesn't knock people out. That's what I'm saying. They like the average person is just like he doesn't, you know, he doesn't beat the shit out of anyone. That's not. I mean, he beat. He beats he, them up. He beat Pacquiao with his left hand. Yeah. I think I saw him use his right for real like twice. I mean, it's it's amazing.
0: He knows how to. He knows how to <laughs> win the fight. That's all. That's what it's about. It's about winning the fight, not about knocking a guy out. I mean, if you, if a knockout comes, great. If you hit the guy a good shot and he goes down, great. But that's not the way. You know, he doesn't think of the fight that way. He goes in there to go twelve rounds. If it's twelve rounds, I'm ready.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm looking through his fight history right here.
0: Yeah, he's
1: all fi- a- all fifty fights, and there's a lot of TKOs in there, but there's maybe four or five knockouts. That's it. I mean, he really. That's how he fights, and like you think about it, that means after the beginning of his career, he's routinely going eight, ten, and then in a championship fight, twelve rounds, and just. You know, the amount of energy that takes to do that. And he never he never even looks that gassed. There's been a couple fights. But he's just, I never see anything like it. I I do agree with your assertion, though, obviously, that no Ali, no, no Mayweather, no boxing. Yeah, there's but, no boxing. But it's like, he's in the conversation for it. I, I still look at it and I'm like, I didn't, you know, I wasn't alive to watch Ali. I was young. When Tyson was fighting. But I did see Tyson. I can see Tape Oli. See Tape as some others. And it's like. To me those two are. They're the guys. They're they're the best. And it's also. I'll admit a part of it is. I understand that. You do it by weight class. And so technically you are with your equal. But. Scientifically speaking. The idea. Of two Louis sized people. Throwing all their might behind punches at each other. Doesn't matter how big you are, a head is a head, a chin is a chin. You, you're taking a punch from Floyd Mayweather, or you're taking a punch from Muhammad Ali. That's like, that's like the United States of America versus some country in in small country in South America. There is no comparison. Grenada. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's just, and that's no disrespect. It's science. Right. I mean, I, like, I don't know how you. I, I look at Tyson's hooks. I used to watch that all the time. Carlos would have me watch that all the time because they were so tight. They are so perfect. I'm like watching this. I'm watching him come up, you know, the duck and hook. And you just see an exposed face after missing on a punch. And Tyson come up. And it's like, how do you survive that?
0: <laughs> it's hard.
1: Like, I know he knocks him out. But, like, no, no.
0: How did you live? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, you got to be in shape. You know, if you're not in shape, you, you, you probably won't live. But still a head is an, an
1: exposed head is an exposed head you're getting hit right here by a mike tyson hook at full force
0: what happens when they wear four-ounce gloves the, even more like mma four-ounce gloves
1: i will admit though no one has a strike like that but still like there's guys who can strike
0: like a motherfucker in there
1: especially the big boys you know yeah. you look at naganu
0: yeah he hit hard it hits a guy and goes down, then and he's laying there helpless and he's getting hit again until the referee stops it. That's the scary stuff. <laughs> that's scary, yeah. It's like fuck,
1: man, and and they really—that's the risk in your life, shit. That's just—that's
0: what happens. You got, you know, you take your life in your hands. You when they hit that bell, you better be ready. Better be ready. If you're not, shame on you. Mm-hmm. You won't be able to tie your shoes in a few days.
1: <laughs>
0: what did you think of Tyson? I thought he was a later-day Frazier at first, mm. but then he was so fast. He came in uppercuts. He really didn't have that much competition in the beginning. But don't forget, it's only his beginning of his career. So, but pull then that he, mic in just a little bit? Then he fought everybody. You can pull it too, by That's the way. That's all right. You can bring it him. He fought everybody. So you can't take it away from him. He He fought everybody that was there.
1: He just was – because he wasn't that tall. He was like 5'10". Five eleven. Five eleven. Something guess. like that. You know, it's not like he was six three going up because Holyfield was what? Like six two, six three. Yeah. You know, these guys, you, you're six five, bigger guys, and he just he was he's built like a human blowtorch. Yeah. I mean it's not normal.
0: Well, I think for a little while there he was on the mm. for a little while there.
1: Well, have you ever seen this guy at like age twelve? Yes. Oh, you ever no. seen? You ever seen a picture of Mike no, Tyson at oh. age twelve? Yeah, I'm gonna pull this up and I'm gonna put it in the corner for people. I think it's age thirteen. You to know, take a look at this picture. This is a thirteen-year-old man, as I like to call it. That is Mike Tyson at age thirteen. That's not normal. Doesn't even begin to describe it. Like there's, there is definitely. He obviously worked his balls off from a young age. Who was his? What was his trainer's name again? Right there. Yeah, yeah. what was his name? Gus Amato. That's it. Amato finds him when he's young, so he's working his balls off, but still. 13, that's some genetics.
0: Right there, that picture. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's Gus, right there. No, look at him. That's him at 17, at least, because that just looks absurd. That's
0: 13-year-old Tyson.
1: Uh, viciously KO'd. Say, say, Wait, ca- that's him at KO'd thirteen. Too? That's even worse than the first he one.
0: KO'd a seventeen-year-old opponent. Jesus Christ!
1: All right, it says he's a teenager. That could mean he's thirteen. But I mean, just like some people are just born to do things. Yeah. He was to me. He was just born to do.
0: Things. Yeah, he's born to hurt people. <laughs> He won most of his fights in the locker room. I'm going to eat your kids. I'm going to fuck your wife I mean, in the ass. I'm going to fuck you in the ass. I'm going to
1: eat your your ear.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm only here to fight. What the fuck are you doing? What are you, crazy? He's,
1: you got to be built a little differently. (laughs) I mean, like, were you, how would you psych yourself up for a fight? Or did you have to, or was it just like a nade in you? They
0: would would try to psych me up. They said, the guy's going to, you know, saw your wife. He's going to try and fuck her, you know. I say he didn't say that. <laughs> I, I, know, I know he didn't say that. Who's telling you that? Your yeah, manager? Dwayne, Dwayne, my trainer. Yeah, trying to get me psyched up. Go out there. I, but as soon as the bell rang, I used to run across the ring and just start swinging. I was, it was uh, like, you know, I was just an animal. I just started doing it, you know. And that's why the, the, the Miami Beach Convention Center would fill up with my fans, you know. Because I was in the paper the next day was the whole headline. The paper was me. You know, Issa Kale's another opponent in the first round. So I, I was, one day, I think it was like my seventh or eighth fight. I'm in the back getting ready, and I and the whole stadium's going, Lou, Lou, they're stamping their feet going, Lou, 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 Lou. And I'm going, who the hell are those people? What the hell are they doing? I'm from Jersey. I don't know any of these people. So Dwayne was laughing. He goes, they're your fans. They want to come. They're coming to see you. I go, I don't even know them. Why are they doing that? I, 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 had, I had to go pee. I almost threw up. <laughs> nervous. When I came out, they rushed me, kill him, knock him out, Lou, kill him, kill him. All the old guys from MVS with their cigars. <laughs> <laughs> knock him out, Lou. They Go had money him. on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go get, knock him out, Lou. You could do it. You could do it. Go get him. And every time I got in the ring, I looked across the ring, and there's my opponent, m- bigger than me. I'm supposed to be big? I'm always looking up at them. What no they, way. Where are you getting these guys? No way. Yeah, the second opponent on the, on my thing, his name was Clarence Morris. They call him King Kong Morris.
1: King Kong Morris. There he is. All right, let's look him up.
0: Clarence Morris
1: Boxer. Okay. I'm going to stick this in there the in the in the corner, a picture of him. So, that's him as a contender.
0: No, he was bigger than that. He was huge. When I saw him at the fight, oh. I had to I had to look up at him.
1: I'm not seeing much here. I'll stick that.
0: Well, I looked. I look. Hey, I looked up at him like this when we when we at the weigh in. I got there after him, so I didn't have to go. You know, see him at the weigh in. But when we got in the ring, wait, they didn't make you see him at the weigh in. No, I didn't see him. I I, I was there. I got late. I was there later. So at the weigh, at, at the weigh in, he leaves. So I weigh in. He goes back to the hotel that they got him. At the fight, we go to touch gloves. His hand, one hand was like that big. And I went, I looked up, I went, I go back to the corner, two big holes in his face for a nose. Huge muscles, shoulders and everything. I went, I looked at Dwayne, I go, you guys trying to get me knocked off? What's what's going on here? They go, just go out there and knock him out. I go, oh, you bet your ass, I'm going to go out there. Right, the bell rings. I go running across. He throws that left hook, boom. But it was so slow, I ducked under it. I came up with mine. I jumped into it. I threw that left hook, hit him on the chin. His whole, I heard, I felt his whole face go boom like this, and he went. I stepped. You back knocked him out on the first punch. Yeah, and he went like this, boom like that, and the whole ring went. Boom. I went. Oh God! Please don't let him get up! Please. I went back to the corner. And remember, he's six, seven. and He didn't move. So they said, fight. And it's over. Holy shit! Were you went, ever worried you killed somebody? No, no, no. I mean, the one guy, one guy that I fought, uh, I hit him with body shots. His name was uh, Leroy Diggs. Leroy Diggs. He's. Uh, I'll pull it up. What fight was that? Uh, probably my fifth. was there, Leroy Diggs. Hold on, I'll get boxer on the end of it. Is there that him? Is. Yeah, that's him.
1: Here he is now.
0: Yeah, I guess I don't know. Philly guy. I guess, but he uh, he was doing really good. He at first round he he had a slapping jab like Ali, and uh, he was at the gym for a few days before our fight. So. Uh, he had that slapping jab. I saw the jab when I was sparring with other guys. Oh, he was at Fifth Street Gym? Yeah, he came, they brought him into the to to, fight, to train a few days before the fight because I, <laughs> I guess he was from Philly. So two
1: guys who were about to fight each other.
0: Yeah, at the gym, same gym. So um, That's nuts. So he hits me with that slapping jab, and I can't get out of the way of it. I don't know why. I just can't get out of the way. So the end of the third round, the referee comes, my eyes closed. He says, Lou, you got one more round. You can't see. I'm going to stop the fight. I said I know what to do. Were they cutting it open? No, no, they don't do that. They, they don't that, do that. No, it's only rock. It's only okay. rock. So I don't know. I got to check. No, try. They, they don't do that. <laughs> so, uh, so, um, I, I, at the end of the third round, before the bell rang, I hit him with a body shot, and he spit his mouthpiece all the way across the ring. So I knew, hit him to the body, and it's over. So the next round, I go out there, and he's a little hesitant because I hit him to the body. I jab him to the ropes, and then I throw that left to the body, and I hit him with that left. And he went, oh, and he sat down on the rope, and I jumped to the right, hit him with the right to the body, jumped to the left, hit him with the left to the body, jumped to the right. I hit him with three or four punches to the body, and the referee pulled me off, and he started counting them. One, two, and he couldn't get off the rope. He couldn't get up because of the body shots. He yeah. couldn't get up. And, he, and uh, he sent me a letter. Three months later, he goes, I'm still pissing pink jesus christ he goes what the hell did you hit me with he wanted to look in the gloves they came he came after the fight and uh he said i want to see i want to see his hands after he took the gloves off and he wanted he thought maybe i had something in there he checked you're hitting him that hard yeah and then another kid i fought in orlando i fought a kid in orlando he comes in the locker room he goes you're good i'm just pulling it back how's that that okay yep he comes in the locker room and he goes um he goes, I got goddamn lumps on my head. He goes, what the hell is in here? I said, I have nothing, just my hands. So he goes, shit, you put lumps on my head. I feel like I got antlers. <laughs> and so and what happened was he hit me a good shot to the mouth. And when he did, I got mad. And I just, I, I jabbed him into the ropes. And I hit him with a body shot. When he bent over, I just kept swinging at him. And I hit, I was hitting him in the top of the head. And he just fell forward and fell out. <laughs> I knocked him out by the uh, yeah and he came he came in the locker room he goes hey you know i uh, i just want to let you know i got lumps on my head i go i'm sorry man i didn't mean to you know he goes it's all right i just wanted to let you know
1: how much of it like because we see it all the time with guys who legitimately hate each other it's not just a ploy you know like there's oh, yeah. there's some guys was the, did you have anyone like that
0: no plant you're talking about like plant and uh and canelo Yeah, and and uh, there's a
1: lot, there's a lot like that. You know what I mean? Like these different fighters who just fucking hate each other. And I'm trying to like picture you with it, and I can't because the way you talk about this, it was kind of like your
0: whole approach was,
1: all right, I guess I'll go in there and knock them out. Yeah. Oh, okay, we're done. Let's go out.
0: Like, yeah, that's so relaxed. That's the way it was with me. I just didn't, you know, it was fun. I really had a good time. I had a lot of fun doing it, and the rewards were so good. I mean. You know, be able to walk around Miami and people know who you are and things like that. It means you, that you're being recognized for what you do. Mm. And that's important to people, you know? That's important to me, too, when I was doing it. You know, it's important that people know who I am, you know? I, Aren't you Louisa? Yeah. I saw you fight. You're like crazy. I go, thanks. And then they buy you dinner or they buy you a drink. You know, you. Know, I don't, I'm not drinking. I'm fighting, remember?
1: <laughs> and you were... I guess at your peak, you were what, like fifth or sixth ranked or something like that? No, 10th. 10th.
0: Pretty high. I mean, yeah. that was
1: the golden era of, yeah. of heavyweight boxing.
0: I uh, I enjoyed it. I mean, I I tell you, I, I had the best time of my life. Met the nicest people in the world in boxing. Who was the coolest? Ali mm. was the coolest. I met a lot of good guys. Bruce Trampler, a, he, who's still in boxing today. You could call Bruce Trampler and ask Bruce Trampler, Anything about boxing, about any fighter, he'll tell you how many fights he's had, who he fought, how many rounds, what, that, what did he win or lose. He knows everything about every fighter, just like, uh, just like Henry Haskoff. Henry Haskoff from New Jersey, Mr. Boxing. Bruce Trampler and Henry Haskoff, Mr. Boxing, both of them. I no. think you know
1: a lot too. I got to no, tell you. I mean,
0: I know a lot, not as nowhere near these guys. These guys are encyclopedias. I'm telling you, if I need to know about if Zach's fighting and I need to know about his opponent, I call them. Oh, so they know? Wow,
1: they know. That, like,
0: I call. What's going on with this guy?
1: They all they know all the new era stuff too.
0: And new and old, they know everything. Especially Henry. Henry has a computer. I mean, he's the forget about what he's telling. He's nothing, nothing like Henry Haskell. He knows everything, but so does Bruce. Bruce Trampler is the same way. He's a matchmaker for top rank, Bruce Trampler. So mm. he has to know fighters, so he makes good fights.
1: What goes into that besides just looking at records and where a guy's from, if there's any marketing? Styles, can go styles.
0: styles. You got to pick the guy's styles. You know, styles make fights. Two good styles together, wow, wow that's a good fight. So like? Got a puncher and a boxer. mm no, that's what you want. you want. What about like Hearns Hagler though? That was just two brawlers. Hearns Hagler was no, not two brawlers as much as they were when bo- they fought. They, they were boxers though. But when they when they fought, yeah, they went nuts. They went well. They they just <sighs> they they didn't have too much liking for each other either. No. Yeah, they they. I mean, uh, Hearns and, and uh, Leonard, they might not have liked each other in the ring, but they liked each other out of the ring. They talked a lot.
1: You know, that's almost weird to me. Like, I, I, because it's such a different personal sport. I mean, you even seen it in other sports where guys who, you know, it's their livelihood and somebody costs somebody a win or a championship, they don't like each other, but you'll see a lot of guys still be friends. But in boxing, you are beating the fuck out of each other. You are getting in there to destroy another person. The idea that, like, you could be friends with them is cra- it's a planned fight, you know? Like, I can't imagine... Being friends with somebody and being like, hey, this Saturday, we're going to fight 12 rounds and I'm going to try to beat the fuck out of you. Like, I couldn't, you know what I mean? Like, there has to be something there where it's like, this guy fucked my wife or something. Like, there <laughs> needs to be something like that.
0: I don't know. That, that never was like that with me. I, I you know, uh, you know, these guys, a lot of people have different thoughts. You know, it's a, it's, it's a, hey, listen, you have to be a little touched in the head to get in the ring anyway. Mm. You got it's only you and another guy, and you're punching, they're punching each other, trying to hurt each other bad. So, so there's got to be a little bit wrong with you to want to do that. Sure. So you know, from to jump for that's that's one thing. But
1: Ali and Frazier hated each other, though, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, they they hated to love each other because mm-hmm. look at the money they made together. No matter what, I mean, Frazier Ali, everybody was there. They were in the they were in the theaters watching it on the big screen. They were at the fight. They were at the. They were everywhere watching it. You know what I mean? Everybody wanted to go watch that fight. That was the number one fight. Did you know Frasier too? Pretty well. I went to his opening of his movie, his grand opening. He remembered me. He called me white boy all the time. Hey, white boy, come here. But he was old then. And, uh, did he train down at Fifth Street? No, he trained at uh, in
1: Philly. I know, but did he come down there oh, and yeah, train once, like...
0: One, yeah, I don't know. if he. It might have went in for a day or two. Got it. For, for promotional things, for the fights. Mm-hmm. Did you ever spar with him? Yeah. sparred with Frazier, Ali, Foreman, Norton, uh, Ernie Shavers, Lyle, <laughs> Dwayne Bobik, Rodney Bobik. Everybody who came to Miami, I sparred with them. Everyone important from that era. That came into Miami, I, I sparred with them, yeah.
1: Now, I think it, it all blends together sometimes with me. Like, I can't remember who told me what or whatever but i've said this before so i want to set the record straight if i have it right or if someone else was making this up or if it was you that told me i don't remember maybe it was you that told me you had a particular skill at being able to mimic yeah. other fight styles right so when you would spar with these guys whether it be ali or you did tell me before you spar with frazier or some of some of the other ones Bobic, some of those guys foreman they would ask you to mimic who they were going to fight
0: next. Yeah, they would ask me to do certain things that would mimic the fight, the opponent they were fighting. Because I was very big, but I was also light on my feet. I was able to move around. Then I could stand flat-footed and box because I was heavy, and I could I could punch. I had a good punch, so I was able to do that type of you know boxing where I would be able to move around. Like when Ali fought Jimmy Young when we were getting my first loss, I, I, I trained with him, and then I ended up losing a fight because <laughs> of the abscess, but... I was training him for. Wait, did he give you the abscess? No. How did he give me an abscess? It was an infected tooth.
1: I know, but doesn't that happen, like when you when you get the tooth loosened? No, no, no. And no. then something gets in there?
0: No, no. I, they're just it just happened. I had a cavity and it turned into
1: a. Okay, an so infection. it was natural. Yeah, it was an infection. That would have been wild if Ali gave that to you, though. It would have <laughs> been kind of
0: funny. No, it was it was messed up that. That's a hard thing that, you know, I didn't want to lose the fight because of my mother. When they stopped the fight with six seconds left, oh, my God. I call, first thing I did, call my mother. I told her I lost, Mom. She goes, I saw it. And what's wrong with that referee? Six seconds? You beat the guy to death for three rounds, and he stops the fight with six seconds left? He goes, I go, Mom, but I, I was punching where the guy wasn't. <laughs> she goes, I saw you, but it was all right. I mean, the guy didn't hit you. I said, oh, whatever.
1: Today, you would have gone very viral for that. <laughs> the, the whole internet would have seen that one. Oh God, <laughs> that would have been. We got to find the video of that. That would be a meme. Maybe yeah. even today in the in the one forty four. I asked.
0: I asked for um, videos of some of my fights on uh, Wide World of Sports, but they said they're in the archives. And the guy told me, he "Goes, Louis, it'll take me two years to find it." Oh, we gotta I, get you got you. Got to be kidding.
1: That, there's got to be a better system. There's no way those people don't have a better system.
0: I, I'm telling you that I, I called there and everything. I asked. We're going to work on that. I got, I did a, I did a thing for, uh, I did a, a video for, um, um, National Geographic Underworld Inc. It's called where they did, uh, they filmed me. I was a bookmaker and you were uh, a bookmaker. too. Yeah, yeah.
1: When, when did you start that? I, I did, knew you were uh, a bookie, but like I was back a bookie then? when you came
0: into yeah yeah. I was there. I was when did I was, you start though? I, was, I did when I was seventeen. I started with uh, tickets, football tickets. <laughs> you know, football tickets. What do you mean football tickets? You get a ticket and you pick three teams, like a parlay. You pick three teams. If you win all three teams, you get ten for uh, ten times whatever you bet. So if you bet a dollar, you get ten dollars back. But you got to win three teams. Do you know how hard that is? It's hard. So I, I used to give them to all my kids in school. I would get one from my father's friend. I would fill mm. it. At first, I would take it to school, and I would make copies of it, 600, 700 copies. Then I'd give the guy back the thing, give him a dollar. Then I would give them out to all my friends, but I would keep those. <laughs> I was making like 1200 a week. My father's going, where are you getting <laughs> all this money? Did you keep that like throughout yeah. college too? Yeah, yeah. You keep that when you were a pro when, boxer? When I went to college, I opened up my own office. I had an office. I, I don't take an action. When did you have time to, to train? I'm listening to all of this. <laughs> but <laughs> I didn't. Get... I opened up an office. I didn't answer the phones. I had guys answering the oh phones. Oh, my
1: God. <laughs> so you were still maintaining a book while you were a pro boxer?
0: Oh, yeah. It was good. I'm I mean, sure it was. I, I made so much money in football. But then the Cubans, those son of a bitch Cubans, they beat the hell out of me in baseball. Mm. I quit. They made me quit. <laughs> I mean, I won $80,000 in the football season. So I said, "This is great. I want to do great." I opened up for baseball, and the Cubans every game they like they were like they knew, they knew every game, and they they hit me. They beat the hell out of me. I quit. I said, "I'm done." New Yorker, my partner in New York, he said to me, "Lou, don't quit. They're killing me. I can't win a baseball game." I go, "It's crazy." He says, uh, "What are you gonna?" Do? I said, "I quit. That's it. I'm done." I quit. So then when I came back to Jersey. I started again when I knew you. I had started mm. again. When did you come back to Jersey, full time? Uh, two thousand and two. Okay.
1: Well, I didn't. I still didn't meet you till like twenty fifteen. But okay, so you were doing it up here. I mean, look. I always tell people in North Jersey, you want a bookie, lick your finger, hold and, it up and, to the and, wind, and you'll get. Going to be someone walking right down the street. <laughs> very very easy, but different different world now. Than it was, for sure. It's I coming mean, back, though. You think so?
0: Well, it's coming back, but it's also hard. I mean, hard. betting. It's also here. hard because it's legal now.
1: That's what I'm saying. Like- but here's
0: the thing. Here's the thing about legal betting. You go to the track. Uh, let's say you go to Meadowlands. You want to bet on a football game. You bet. You get a ticket. Now, if you win, you want the taxes right then and there. Mm. And you have to have the money to bet. If you bet with me on the phone, you call me all week and bet. And then Sunday, when Sunday rolls around... The next following Monday, you have to pay up. You pay. Now, what happens when they don't pay? You know, you read it in the newspaper. You've seen it on TV. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know what this is.
1: <laughs> See, you don't even need a bat, though. You just you go as yourself.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I've done it a million times. I, you know, I tell I tell people like uh, like when I did the the thing for um, Underworld Inc., you could look for it
1: now how did that come together and what was that
0: a friend of mine they asked him about they want to know about bookmaking so he called me Louie. they would want to know about bookmaking old and new would you give want to do it i go how much they go he'll bet. they'll pay you tell him to dollars they're telling So they did it at the gym and we were fitting and we yeah you could you could get it i got it you got to go to national geographic underworld inc
1: i definitely
0: it might be on youtube
1: Underworld Inc. Lou Eset. We're not gonna be able to play it on here because it's no, I know, YouTube. I, know. I just wanna see like if yours specifically exists on YouTube.
0: Now you gotta put in when you put Underworld Inc. you gotta put uh illegal gambling. Alright. Illegal Underworld
1: gambling. Inc. illegal
0: illegal gambling.
1: And you're and you're you're giving this interview and fifty five minutes is all me. Still operating a book. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you call fearlessness, right there. All right, so I can get this later. That's
0: me right there, Big Lou. Did you just go by Big Lou? Yeah, they didn't know who. I, they didn't know my last name. they Didn't was. even give you your last name. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I'm at the gym and everything. You know who I am. That's a I'm in the bag. Of course gonna... you know who you are.
1: They're not giving you the darkened screen. No, with no, yeah, like no, everybody boys. else
0: did that. I'm the only one that did. My, my, my son called me. And goes, everybody's on. T- everybody's calling me. Throwing me you on TV talking about book you are going to get arrested. I go, why would I get arrested? One of my friends who works with the state police, he called me. and goes, "You should get an Oscar for that." Oh my God! I go, I should. I should they should give me. That's they were going to come incredible. back and do more. They wanted to do more. They wanted to do uh, every day in a bookmaker, like they wanted to do, like a uh, like a weekly <laughs> thing, like a what do you call it, a reality show? Oh my God! So I did. I met a guy at a diner. Gave me ten grand. One of my friends, I told him, bring 10000 and give me 10000 So I counted and I said, okay. I said, Mr. Governor, Christie, I said, when you legalize gambling, I'll work for you. In the meantime, I got this. Oh, my
2: God. <laughs> it's, in,
0: it's in that show. You'll see it. watch that. You'll see it.
1: That's incredible. But you, so you still had that during your career. The focus was more on picking up the blow, though, because there was a lot of money in that. Oh, God. So God. then how did you decide your career was over? Did they kind of tell you, like, all right. No, I gonna, did. You I, said it.
0: Yeah, I said, I'm done. So you know when you're talking about pick up the blow I, I didn't only pick up the blow I was bringing it to New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, oh uh, shit. Chicago. When uh, did that start at the same time when I, when you I, left the end, the end of the career right, towards the end of the career I was going places making so much money you know you come to New Jersey for the weekend I would leave on a I would leave Miami on Saturday morning, come to New Jersey with 20 keys and then I go back and I make I would make like over 150 thousand. And I'd be back in Miami on Sunday morning. One day, everybody would be at my mother's house. All the cars would be parked on my street. They would come in and pick up what they paid, what they wanted. My mother would sew the stuff back in my coat, the money, inside my coat. And I would go home. I gave her 10000 for doing that. And then I'd go home. Holy shit. I was making crazy money, though. Never caught me once at the airport.
1: Where where were you flying out of? JFK? Newark? No, Miami. Miami.
0: Oh, at, going out of Newark mm. on the way home. I go out of Newark. Whew. Different times. Yeah, today. How long go, were you doing? Today that? you got to go through a metal yeah. detector. You go like that. You still have money in your coat. You're, <laughs> back
1: then, you're handing a baggie uh, to the fucking TSA agent. Not you even. Want some? No, you don't.
0: You don't even have to do nothing. Just go. There was no, no, I'm t- saying you're giving them. Some. There was no TSA. Yeah. Back then, you know, I, when it's when crazy. I came in, I used to come in on the red eyes. When I come from Miami, I came in on the red eye because at night there'd be nobody to check the bags. So. And then after a while, I learned how to do it without even going. I call my father. I tell my father, you know the bag I have, right? I, he said, yeah. Well, it'll be there at 1160 at Kennedy. I you give him the number. The bag. He would meet the baggage. The bag would come out. he have a guy there with him pick up the bag. They'd walk right out. Nobody was there to check the bags. So they'd walk right out. And then he'd sell it and then send me the money.
1: So you'd go check into the airport, check your bag. Walk out the door and leave.
0: And go home. Call my father. It's on the 1150. It's coming in. Oh my God. That was the good days. Those were the good days. That lasted for about five years. And then somebody told people what people were doing. And then the baggage guys would take these long knitting needles and stick it in the side of the bag. Then smell the bag. Then smell the needle. Oh, that one stays over there. Put that one over there. And they would stick it. Oh my God. I lost two bags that way.
1: Did they? But they could rescue for that because it's your bag. You checked it. Oh, they you checked stole it under it. a different name.
0: They stole the bag. Oh, they took it for themselves. Yeah, they're taking they, the the baggage handlers were sticking it with needles and smelling it. They stole it. <laughs> <laughs> i that didn't, about, that. didn't go how the government. I planned. wasn't worried about the <laughs> cops. I was worried about them stealing it. <laughs> oh my god! How do
1: you set up something like that though? So you, I mean, you were doing. you were obviously doing work for them while you were a boxer like going out and picking the shit up and then you're done and you're like, all right, I want to be a distributor
0: now. Well, I would just say, I want to, I want to get, I want to get some keys. Okay. How many do you want? And you know, you're talking about back then keys were $16,000 up in New Jersey. They were 52. So I come up here with 20 and flip them and be back in Miami the next day. But I would sell them for 40.
1: So you'd have like a few go tos who buy them every time. I had so
0: many guys that couldn't take it. Yeah. I had to stop because too many people knew what I was doing. Too many people talking.
2: Mm.
0: You know, and, and then and you can't get in trouble. You know, and used to get the stuff out of high times. And that was that the was coke it was they called Peruvian Flake. One big sheet of like like uh, mother of pearl. Mother of pearl. Yeah, you hold it up; it looks like mother of pearl. <laughs> That's what it looks like. It was all solid, like mother of pearl. And then you you break it up and you cut it up and they would snort it. And they, they couldn't couldn't get enough of that. And then then crack came around. <sighs> One kilo brings back a million dollars cash.
1: Holy shit!
0: From crack, yeah.
1: That's just nuts.
0: Yeah, well, I I, could, I didn't get involved with crack. I I, I didn't like that.
1: Yeah, it's like kind of sad how they did that because they made they made coke like the rich guys' drug and then they basically like killed it. Yeah, and and they put it down and and then sold it cheap and sold it to all. Believe it or the not, coke, Coke's making a big comeback. Oh my god, big it's, comeback! Holy shit, man! Everybody wants it now. The most shocking thing, like when I tell you, I went to college and I was not shocked by anything. I I really wasn't, except one thing. I could not believe, couldn't believe, how many people did coke. Oh, fucking everyone! Now I never touched the stuff. But this – I'll never forget senior week. And I'm not going to say who it was because I'll give it away. But th- there were quote-unquote respected people putting lines on their index finger. There's no way this even, like, worked out. Like, there's scientifically, like, this definitely didn't work out for them. But they're so fucked up. They're putting lines on their index finger, walking out into the ocean like, you know, they're like, chill, and snorting it out in the ocean like that. I'm just I'm, – I'm looking around and – you know, we're college kids. There's some kids who got mommy and daddy's money and shit. I got a broke bank account. I'm like, where the fuck are people getting a $100, 120 dollars to buy this shit every
0: day? Every day. It's crazy. It is. Believe me, they find it when they get that that cocaine hook. When they get hooked, huh? Like, huh? They find it. They find that money. People sell their businesses, their homes. They lose their businesses, their homes, their wives, their kids, everything because they they got hooked on coke. Coke was. I mean, crack was crazy, but Coke, which was crack. But that's, uh, I realized how crack was so addictive because Coke was so addictive. People just couldn't do it, couldn't stop. I never tried it. I only sold it. I never, And for me, if you give me that much, I'm selling it. you give me this much, I'm selling it. I didn't care. I just get rid of it. It was all cash to me. I'm about the cash. That's what I was about. Did you ever feel bad
1: about that a little bit, though? Like with the... Because, I mean, you're still... You're in something to make money. You're making money while you're doing your career and all that. So it's like you're kind of doing it on the side. It's it's a fast life. It's Miami. It's fun. But then, you know, you're distributing all this stuff. And, you know, it, it goes to people. People get addicted. It can ruin lives and stuff. And I think a lot of times when you talk with people after the fact, and I don't want to speak for you. I want you to answer it. But, you know, they think about it after they're out of it and they're done like god damn that was fucked up but it's like in the moment you kind of a lot of people don't seem to think about that a lot and they're just like all right well i'm here we're doing it let's go
0: well you got to remember it's all according to what level you're on if you're in the street and you're dealing dealing to people one-on-one then you feel that the comp the the uh you feel the uh the the impact of what you're doing but i was i was i was a high level i was 150 keys a week I would just see Somebody who took 10 keys Somebody who took 5 You know Friends that it took 5 or 10 That I never Then I, I just leave You know they, they leave You don't see them again Until the following week When they took another 5 or 10 But uh, It's not I never I never got into the Street Low level street stuff
1: It's less personal Yes yeah, Less, per- less personal Less personal Yeah I always kind of wondered that Especially like with the guys Back in Colombia And I, Mexico today Is a little different But You know there's a lot of violence that comes with it and things like that. And they see that part amongst themselves, but I wonder how much of that, those guys, you know, the Pablo Escobars of the world and stuff really, really saw of like people who got fucked up.
0: Well, Pablo Escobar seen it. Don't forget. They did documentary on him. He had a lot of people working for him. Low level people that would, they were hooked there but the, the, he he couldn't you couldn't be hooked if you worked for him though he, he got you clean then you had to work because they you had to work sometimes people work like they have to work naked so they don't want they don't want you you know they had the gloves on yeah. so that the Coke don't go into your hands because you can get high just getting it in your pores
1: and also you might steal it too yeah, yeah, <laughs> they, they didn't they, like they, that they
0: don't want you they don't want you to steal nothing who's the guy Frank Lucas yeah the Lucas American, uh, American made the gangster. girls girls work work naked and then, look, they made a lot of money, but uh, you can't, you don't want you stealing nothing.
1: I always wonder about like the people, like th- these different stash houses and stuff. There were thousands of them, thousands of them. Like I mean, we, we have, to- I have to know people in my life who I don't know about who were work, who were like the people working them. I mean, like the physical labor, like how do you even get that job?
0: We used to look for them though. But- I, mean, I used to work with a friend of mine. who Was a DEA agent. <laughs> he used to give me the badges. and we used to go in and steal, you know, drug houses, steal from the drug houses. Oh my God! I mean, they're not—they're not, they're not going to call the cops. We are the cops. <laughs> <laughs> Ding dong, got a search warrant for the premises. Guy would, you know, on the floor. Let's go. Guy, give us guns, everything. Everybody, everybody on the floor, and we handcuff everybody, look around, find everything, take it. Oh my God! You no. handcuff everyone and yeah, leave. Yeah, they can open your mouth, put the handcuff key in his mouth. Don't swallow that. <laughs> I'll <see> you <laughs> oh my God! Oh, we made so big scores doing that. Did he go down too? No, I we didn't go down for that. I never went down. for Did that. Did he ever go down? No, he would never go in. No, he never went down. No, I, no, no, no. what about the cop.
1: Yeah. No, he never. Went he never down. got in trouble for that.
0: No, no.
1: I wonder how many cops like get away <sighs> so
0: with. So many. Two men. You're talking about. Look, I know cops in Miami that were that were made Dade County Metro. They quit and bought uh, lobster boats, and they were out doing lobster fishing because they found. They went out one morning in their lobster boat. They had a little one. They went out to lay a couple of traps, and they found seventy, eighty bales in the water. So they put it in their boat, brought it back, told, called me. Luke, can you sell this for us? Yeah, oh my no problem. God. Sell it for them, and then they ended up quitting the police force, bought two lobster boats, and we're out doing lobster stuff. You know how many more bales they must have found?
1: You know, look, when you, I mean, cops even down there, but even at the federal level, you're a DA agent, you're an FBI agent. Jim DiOrio, when he was in here, said the number. It's like whatever it is. It's not, you know, it's money. You're not poor, but like. You only make so much, and you do it, and it's like anything else. I think people can the slippery slope; they can be bought off to be like, "All right, I'll let that slide. I'll make a few extra bucks for my weekend, whatever." And then suddenly they're doing more, and then they're doing more, and then they're doing more, and and then you know the lines first blur. time.
0: First time he takes it, he's done. He's hooked. That's it. Yeah, he's hooked. He can't get out of it after the first one because you're wrong right there. You're wrong for taking it the first time. So you have to keep the to keep their mouths shut, and you're just going to keep doing it. And that's what happens. I mean, you got kids, you know, you're a cop, you're out there working your ass off. You got a kid, he's sick. You can't afford to help him. And somebody comes, something comes along where you can make a half a million dollars. Just look the other way. What are you going to do? That's what I mean. It's like, it's too tempting. It's too hard. I mean, it's really hard to find really good police officers. And, And today it's tough. It's tough because they're getting abused so bad, especially today.
1: I think it'd be harder back then.
0: It's harder now.
1: Why? Why do you? I mean, with the internet and everything, and and transparent transparency, but at least more ability to track what people are doing. And yeah, stuff. but it's so back hard, then it was
0: like it's so hard to get a cop that won't look the other way. Mm. Because look how they're being abused today. They're being abused. They're getting indicted. They have cameras on all the time doing you know, not not the undercover and stuff like that, but. You know, it's, believe me, I I think it's easier today. You could buy any cop you want today. Really? Because they're not, they're not, they're, they're not being, they're not, they're, they don't even like their job. No. They don't like their jobs anymore. They don't want to work that. Why? Because you're not being, you're not being backed up by the city or by the state or whatever, the government, whatever, feds. You're not being backed up.
1: I've told this story before, so apologies to people who have heard it on the podcast, but I got to tell you this one because it says everything that you're saying right now. I will never forget sitting in the car at – this is like 5 a.m. in the morning. I was driving to a job up just outside New York City. So when I was in college, I dated a girl who lived right above New York City in Pelham. And so I got a job up there caddying. So I'm up at the crack of dawn, get a loop in, do the thing, make my money. And I'm on 95 listening to WFAN, the sports station up there. And an ad comes on. I mean a full-blown 60-second buy at a 5 a.m. ad spot on a Saturday morning. And it's some lady with the music in the background, the hokey music going, join the NYPD. And it starts listening off like, you'll get full pension benefits, like, but, 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 health insurance, all this. Nothing about the job. Nothing about the fact that it's like, you're becoming a fucking cop. Like, you're <laughs> law enforcement. You're going to carry a gun. And it's not like they say, oh, you get to carry a gun. But I'm sitting there listening to this, and they're selling it like a product. And I'm like... Who the fuck is listening to this at 5 a.m. on a Saturday morning? Somebody working some shitty construction job, or somebody who, like, doesn't, like, in in most cases, somebody like me, like, hustling to some bullshit job. You're like, oh, I get a pension on this? Like, think about the people you could be getting from that. And I'm not, like, trying to rip people here, but the average schmo, then they get into it, they get a taste, and they're like, well, there's a cap to it. Then someone comes up to them and says, yeah, you make an extra ten grand if you just do this. All right, no problem, and like you said, they're hooked. That's how it happens.
0: That's how it happens. It's easy. Look, it's 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 scary. That's what it is because you don't know who. To, like I said, you don't know who to trust today. No, you don't know who to trust. Even in a like, even if you want to be a a drug dealer today, you can't be a drug dealer today. Too many people will give you up. They give you up if you so you, if 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 you were doing business with somebody, three people, two of them are going to give you up before you before you could say something. They're going to give you up on the way to the police station. They get ninety-seven percent conviction rate. Why? Because they they hit you like let's say you and I get arrested. They're gonna say, "Listen, Julian, you're gonna get twenty-five years. Your education down the toilet. Everything after twenty-five years, when you come out, you're gonna be obsolete. You know, if you get a job, who knows? Sleeping floors somewhere. Mm-hmm. You're gonna to say, I 'I don't want that.' Well, that's what you're looking at—twenty-five years. Well, how do I get out? Well, you gotta give. You gotta work. Uh, you gotta testify against him." No, I'm not doing that. Okay, we'll see you later. Because he's going to testify against you. He yeah, what? They're going to get one or the other. And, and you, it, whoever we talk to first, you happen to be the lucky guy. We're here first. Make a decision.
1: Yeah. There's And now in the era of wiretaps and everything, I mean, that just, once technology entered the building, slowly they in the They take 70s, your license
0: plate from, from yeah. outer space, from Fuck a yeah. satellite they take the light split up your car and follow you from that from out of space
1: now you said you were working with the cubans mostly right yeah so and i when i was asking that question we were only talking about the going back and forth in the boat. so now in the in the distribution you were getting it from some of those main guys yes. who would give it to you and you could do what you please with right. it right i could sell it yeah and did you you paid them up front
0: no they front you. Now you have to, now, nah, today, you can't get nothing fronted. You have to pay up front. But back then, they would front you 10, uh, first I started out with 20 keys. Then I then I went up to, move up to 50. Then I went to 100. Then I went to 150. After that, I stayed at 150 because that was more than enough for me to make.
1: How, like once a month? Once
0: a week. Once a week.
1: You're doing this every week. Every week. Florida, Jersey. Yeah. Putting it into the New York market. Right. And this is in the 80s? 70s and 80s. You could do that? The reason I ask, because, and I might be mixed up here, but didn't, like, the Cali cartel own New York with Coke?
0: Nobody owned nothing. You got Coke, you sell it wherever you got it.
1: Interesting. Cause that, and like that was on that show Narcos, like the, and it was actually, TV. yeah, but still like some of the, a lot of it was TV Reels, and, Reels. and whatever, but there were certain elements of that. Like, for example, yeah. that people, if you go look at the history of it, like people didn't know that Escobar wasn't the only guy down there. There no. was, there was the Cali cartel who were, they were actually bigger and they had Medellin, Medellin cartel. Medellin was Escobar. Yeah. Cali was the other one. Right. So, like, Medellin had Miami in the U.S., for example, and then Cali had New York, and they were just fucking supplying everything. But then, yeah, like, I know the Cubans were doing a lot in Miami. I didn't know if they were doing stuff in New York. I just don't – like, me trying to picture, like, how, that, how that's legislated in the underworld, it's, like, it's crazy to me. So you you pretty much could just get it and take it places, and you didn't worry about repercussions.
0: No. I didn't worry about nothing back then. I didn't care about nobody and nothing. I was making so much money. I was, and I have no vices. I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I, I, my only vice was buying things for my wife and kids. Mm. That's the same thing I have now. Like, that's the same vice I have now. I love my wife. I want her to have everything. That's the way I am.
1: How many years did this last?
0: The drug business? Mm-hmm. 15, 10, 15.
1: And so you got the indictments came down,
0: you went to Greece. Yes. The indictments came down for traveler's checks. And then they said we were using the traveler's checks with the, with the proceeds from the traveler's checks. We were buying Coke and bringing that to Greece. And that's how the Greek government got involved. They asked the Greek government to extradite me, to arrest me and extradite me. So they followed me for one year, the Greek government. And then they told the United States, you lied to us. You told us he was dealing drugs. He's not dealing drugs here. He works in the night, as a extortionist but over there it's not called extortion it's called protection and, <laughs> it, and everybody does it if you don't do it the cops do it oh my god so i was i had a nightclub and i, I had 10 nightclubs paying me 500 dollars a week to protect them because if like in greece the kids go out like a group of guys like you have friends you go out and you have a drinks in a club you run a tab at the end of the night the guy brings you the tab you tell him fuck you i'm not paying
1: you're the well, guy that comes in and says you're paying.
0: I, I, the, I go in. When the guy has like 10 people there and he knows they're going to fuck with him, he calls me. Lou, I need you to come. I say, I'm on my way. I go up the street. He gives me the check. I go to the table. Ta lefta, malakas. <laughs> I mean, the money. jerk costs. They look yeah. at me. They go, ta lefta. And they pay. And they, I give it to the owner. And he goes, oh, thank you so much.
1: And I leave. So you Good. paid 500 bucks a week for that at yeah, each place? Yeah, 500 in
0: case he ever needs me. And I go there.
1: So you were doing that and you were out of the drug business. Yeah. But they still arrested you and extradited you.
0: They extradited me for that same indictment because, like I said, after years went by, everybody, domino theory, people got arrested and they didn't want them, they wanted me. So when I got home, there was a big triangle in the court on a chalkboard. (laughs) 35 names and mine's in red at the top. I go to the judge. The fuck is that? <laughs> he goes, Lou, you can't talk like that in my court. I go, I'm sorry, Your Honor, but what is that? <laughs> he goes, that's your that's your organization. Oh my I God. I go, come on, you're you're an intelligent man. You have a college degree. You got a law, you've been you got a law degree, everything. Come on. I go, you're gonna tell me that 35 guys are working for me in America taking chances on getting caught and going to jail they're working for me and sending me the money in greece so i could live the good life oh they were indicting you for your time in greece no they're indicting me for the charge that was here before yeah but they're saying that i'm saying all these guys work for me i lived in greece i was there four years so i was saying you're saying these guys work for me and they were sending me money to greece because that's what they're alleging well no they were telling they were saying before though yeah, but they're saying they're, they're sending During me money. Two. Yeah, while, while people were getting arrested. Uh. It took years, you know what I mean? So uh, so they just dragged that in on top of it. They dragged them. that in. So I just said, that's a bull. I said, that's bull, Your Honor. He goes, don't worry, we're going to get to the bottom of this. <laughs> when he sentenced me, I said, we sure got to the bottom of that. <laughs> he looked down. He was all embarrassed. He knew I was right. He knew I was dead right. And the Spanish government came to my sentencing. Spanish government. Yeah, because Spain arrested me when they extradited me. I got arrested I in Barcelona. In I was in Barcelona. So I, the Greeks didn't my arrest best, you? No, the Greeks wouldn't arrest me. They said they're not doing nothing wrong. You lied to us. You said he was selling drugs here. He He's not. So they didn't arrest me. The cop came to my house and told me, don't leave here. They're looking for you. Well, don't forget, that when Europe became the European Union, mm. I thought it was all one. So I went from Greece to to Barcelona to meet my friend, my best friend, and he set me up. The feds were waiting for me there. Oh, man. Yeah. I got off the plane. I was walking towards the plane, towards the to Anger. I had like six or seven different passports. So I was going to hand one of them in. I grabbed the American one. And I handed the guy the.
1: Did it have your name on
0: it? Yeah. And the guy was shaking like this. I go, "What the fuck? You got cerebral palsy? Sign the damn thing and and let's go." (laughs) And I hear the guy go, "Hermanito de King Kong," and that means that means in Spanish, King Kong's little brother. So I turn around and the guy's got a machine gun. So I duck. I I thought he was going to shoot that guy. I don't know he's shooting not not me. I had nothing to do with nothing. So he goes, "Hermanito de King Kong, arriba, get up." So I got up. I go, what's up? He goes, some little guy with a seersucker, blue suit, walks up to me. He goes, Louis Cisa, I'm with the Federal Bureau of Investigation. You're going with us. I go, I'm not going nowhere with you. I don't live here. I go, you live in the United States? He goes, yeah. I go, where are you taking me? To the United States. No, you're not. I live in Greece. I'm going back home. He goes, you refuse extradition? Exactly. He goes, okay, take him away. I go, what do you mean take me away? He goes, you're going, you're going to jail. They took me right to prison.
1: In Spain. In Spain. And then there was a whole court thing to get you to whether an extradition.
0: Not. I had to go a year. I fought extradition. Finally. Living the, in jail. Yeah. But um, I was the lifeguard at the pool. <laughs>
1: what's, what, what's prison
0: life in Spain like? Ugh. It's a joke. <laughs> a joke. I had my own t- cable TV. I had the only TV in the place with cable. I had to run up to the ceiling with a satellite dish. I was watching TV. I was making, I was selling drugs in the jail. They were selling drugs in the jail. The guards would go get my get me ten ounces, ten grams of heroin. I'd give it to the doctor. He would cut it up, put it in bags, and I would sell because everybody had cash.
1: Now, how much do you have to pay off the guards? Like
0: fifty percent? Listen, I give him nine hundred a month. He would make six hundred a month as a guard. I gave him nine hundred for his pocket.
1: And how much were you making? Oh,
0: I landed there with thirty thousand dollars when I went to visit my friend. I had thirty grand in my pocket.
1: Did they take that from me?
0: No, they could never take my money. So I had it in my pocket. We had a fight. There, so, had money. So, <laughs> so you're walking into prison with 30 grand in your pocket. And they were going to take, because I had the Rolex on and I had a chain and a ring. They were going to take my stuff. And and they were talking to each other. But I understood Spanish. And the, the, the FBI agent told them, because he spoke Spanish, he told them in Spanish, not this guy, somebody else. Do not try to take his money. <laughs> or his jewelry. They said, he said, I'm telling you now, don't do it. I, I'm giving you fair warning. So they didn't they didn't try it. So when I got to the jail, I got a lawyer and I t- took off my jewelry and I told him mail that to my brother in New York. So when I came home, to it, I-, I got my jewelry. But uh, the money I kept and I had thirty thousand when I landed, and I was selling heroin. I was there for a year and a half, and I, when I left, I had one hundred eighty thousand.
1: What year is this?
0: It's eighty-eight. Eighty-eight to eighty-nine.
1: So, jail was a hundred twenty thousand dollar investment for you.
0: <laughs> and when I landed Dang. in New York, I paid my lawyer at the airport in cash, sixty thousand dollars.
1: Wait, wait. So you land? Did you get to go to New York on your own
0: volition? No, they came with say, twenty-two marshals to get me. I was going to say they came with twenty-two marshals on a on a on a holiday. They wouldn't have been able to take me. If it was a regular day because it my cell with me. Was a lawyer from Miami, and he's Cuban, and he was printing out motions. And the government, my, the United States government kept saying, how the hell is he beating us in court? They didn't know that I had to, what I did was I got a computer, I paid the guard to bring me a computer, and this guy, and we had a printer, and we had the Spanish law, all the Spanish law on CD, so he put it in the computer, and he was printing out, <laughs> printing out motions, and we were killing the government. What was your lawyer? Lo- you had a lawyer as a cellmate, Umberto Aguilar. What was what was He's he in, in for? Miami now? He's in Miami. He, of course he is. <laughs> he was he was a lawyer for the cartels, so they they uh, they arrested him. Oh my god! So he uh, how did he get arrested in Spain though? He took off for Spain, and they got him there. Oh my god! So uh, Umberto was killing him, and, and, but but he came on a holiday when there was no court. So Berta goes, we can't get the degree in. I go, forget it. I'm going to get fianza, which means bail. I said, I'm going home. I'm going to get fianza, so I'm going to go. He goes, Lou, don't go. They're going to kill you there. I go, no, they're not. So I get my stuff. I pack everything up, everything in a big bag I had, and it's all climatically sealed because I know if you go from prison to prison and you have stuff that's climatically sealed, they, you could take it with you into the prison. So I had sweatshirts, I had sweatpants, I had brand new sneakers, I had four pairs of underwear, four T-shirts, everything I could have, two toothbrushes, all all of my all my toiletries, all my law all my law work, my you know, legal work, all my all my pictures and stuff for my kids and my letters. Everything's in this bag. So I'm they handcuffed me around my waist, handcuffed me here, and hand, and got leg irons on. So I'm walking, I go, guys, My name's not Hannibal Lecter. It's Louisa. I don't have any violence on my record. Why are you doing this? They go, no, we were told you're dangerous. You know, you could be could be dangerous. I go, whatever. I go, I'm forty thousand feet above the Atlantic Ocean. Can I take this off so I could eat? No. Yeah, I don't fuck around. So I said to the guy, you hungry? He goes, yeah. I said, boom, I flipped it right on him. All the (laughs) shit, all the sauce, everything went off. He go, he was like that to hit me. I go, yeah, you do that. When they take these off, I'll kill you. <laughs> and he, he looked at me. I go, I'm serious. And he's he's Puerto Rican, right?
1: Yeah, that's why you were in the cuffs. <laughs> like, well, this guy's dangerous. He,
0: he's Puerto Rican. This guy. Yeah. So the rest of them are all white, and they're all talking about blacks and stuff. They're all prejudiced to the, to the days long. So he looks at me, and I'm looking at him, and I, he hears them talking, and I hear them talking. So I go, What do you think happens when they're done with the blacks? You're next. I mm-hmm. go, You're brown. You're next. So he goes, that that's I go, you watch and see, you're next. They're talking about the blacks now, you're next. Yeah, they're they I'll tell you it was bad. It was bad. But then they uh when I got in front of the judge, oh what happened with my bag? I told you I had everything in the bag. So I'm pulling the bag, I'm not walking fast enough. I go, I got shackles and handcuffs on. How do you expect me to walk faster pulling a bag? He goes, I go, why don't you pull the bag for me? He goes, I'm not your red cap. Then, then we have to what, take the next plane because I'm not going to walk faster. He goes, okay, I'll take it. Uh, now I'm walking a little bit faster. I'm walking. I don't see him. I thought maybe he went ahead and put the bag in the luggage. He threw it in a dumpster. Your Ooh. whole bag? My whole bag. So when I get to the airport. How's that legal? It's not. So when I, I get to the airport, I'll tell you what happened. I get to the airport. I go, where's my bag? I want to get my bag. Don't worry about it. We'll get it for you. I go, but I got my legal stuff. and everything. I need my bag. My lawyer's here. So my lawyer steps up, give him his bag. The bag was thrown in the garbage in, in Spain. You what? I go, my kids' pictures are in there. That's all I cared about was my kids. We were writing back and forth, and they would send me their pictures and letters from my kids. I go, letters from my children, and my and pictures are in that bag. Why would you do that? Because I'm not your red cap. I said, okay. I told my lawyer, when do we get in front of the judge? He says, tomorrow morning. I said, good got in front of the judge. I said, you let me talk. He goes, Your Honor, my client would like to say something. He goes, you sure you want to talk without your lawyer? I go, yes, Your Honor. He goes, okay, what do you want to say? I said, this marshal right here threw my bag in the garbage. He said he wasn't my red cap. He goes, he what? I go, you heard me. He threw my stuff in the garbage. The the judge says, get up. Come over here. Did you throw his bag in the garbage? Yeah. He goes, what does it say when I send you to get a prisoner what does it say in the sheet? The prisoner and his belongings. Read Did it. he lose his job for that, that? No, no, he didn't lose his job. He had to pay me. Listen. listen to, on, but there's
1: priceless stuff. Not just your memory. Your memories are I priceless, that, but
0: your legal shit is not Yeah, there. but I could get copies of that. Okay, the, the judge yeah. said, I'll get you copies of all that. Okay, but what happened was, he said, the judge says to me, go in the back with your lawyer. I'm going to give you a paper and pen. Write down everything that was in that bag and put a price tag on it. <laughs> So I came back, and I go, Your Honor, there's a couple things that I couldn't put a price tag on, like my children's pictures, like you said. Yeah. My children's pictures and my children's letters. My legal work the judge said, I'll get your legal work. I said, okay. You worked it out with my lawyer. And, uh, you know, other things that I I, I bought there that I know, be, being climatically sealed, I could bring into the prison, like a radio, things like that I could have, you know. He said, well, you put a price. I said, I put 2500 He goes, that's not enough. The judge said that. Yeah. I go, well, 2500 is about what I spent. He goes, yeah, but how did you put a price on your son's and your daughter's papers? I go, no. He goes, your pictures? No. He goes, okay. He goes, let's make it 7500 <laughs> I go, that's up to you, Your Honor. I, I, I said 2500 So he goes, 7500 He told the guy, not the Marshall service, but you. You. You're gonna pay for this, wow. because you you took it upon yourself to throw it away. Now, if one of your superiors told you to throw it away, tell me right now, and he'll pay for it. Yeah. And, and why would why would he say something? He knows he's gonna he could he round his his friends. He's in trouble. Yeah. So he just said it was me, Your Honor. So the, the judge, some before he gets back to MCC, excuse me, before he gets back to MCC, make sure that 7,500 is in his account.
1: So they were holding you at Metropolitan Correction
0: Center, yeah, New York MCC. And then, did you plead out? Yeah, I had no choice. Yeah, I had thirty-five defendants, co-defendants, and, and I was the only one there. And they all came to me and said, "Please, Lou, we only got fourteen months. Please don't don't ruin our lives. Now we're married, got kids. Lou, don't do that to us." Yeah, I go, I'm not gonna do nothing, But you guys all blame me. You know, everybody, the domino theory. I'm at the end of that domino. Were they testifying against you? They would have.
2: Uh.
0: So I said, you guys are all going to testify against me because you got deals. 14 months. The most they ever got was 14 months. 18 months was the highest sentence. Mm. And I got banged.
1: How long did you go in for?
0: 15. I went from Otisville, MCC to Otisville. Otisville to Lewisburg. Lewisburg to Coleman, Florida.
1: How did they decide to move you around in prisons? Like, why do they move you? You have a fight. I Uh had a fight
0: with a... Latin King in the prison guy uh, wanted. Really, wanted guy wanted to be a Latin King, so this guy Angel was the head of the Latin King. He was going out with my stepsister.
1: Wait, wait, Angel, who's not in the prison? Who's in prison? He's in prison with you.
0: Going out with my sister. I didn't know.
1: He's going out with your stepsister. My
0: stepsister. She lives in Patterson.
1: How long was he in jail for? A couple of years. Okay.
0: So, it. so this kid wants to be a Latin King. He keeps telling Angel, "I want to be a Latin King." I want. So Angel sees me walk in the mess hall. I never walk in the mess hall because I had my own food. So I walk in today because a friend of mine goes, "Look, I want to get the chicken. Will you get the chicken for me?
1: What do you I mean you had your own food?
0: I would buy food at the commissary and cook my own meals. Oh, got it. Okay. So I would go to get the chicken so he could have the chicken because the guys in the line knew me real good to give me extra chicken. And I will give it to my friend because he was starving. So I gave it to him. I'm standing in line talking to him waiting to get the chicken and his kid comes up next to me. And I look at him, and I I don't register fear because he's about 160 pounds. And I think, you know, he's not going to hit me. I turn back talking to to Ari, my friend, and the guy takes a swing and hits me right here. Boom! I went, oh, you son of a... And I grabbed him. He had a ponytail. I grabbed the ponytail. I locked in. I pulled him back, and I hit him. Bang! (laughs) The ponytail came out in my hand. Come on. It came out. I just, I went oh wiped it off, <laughs> and he hit the ground, and I stepped over him. I got the chicken. I gave it to Harry. I walked out. I said, "Harry, I got to go to the hole." And I went right. Sat in front of the hole, which is um, solitary confinement. Right. You know, well, they call it management control unit MCU. So I'm standing outside the MCU, sitting on a milk cart. They're looking all over the prison for me. They don't <laughs> see me sitting there. They call back to the unit. Everybody got to go back to the unit. Looking for me. So everybody's in the unit. They have a count. I'm not there. I'm sitting on the box outside the hall. Finally, the captain comes down. and he see, looks across and sees me sitting there. He goes, Lou, you have been there the whole time? I go, yeah. He goes, don't you hear the place going crazy looking for you? <laughs> I go, I figured they'd find me sooner or later. That's where I'm going, right? He goes, yeah. I said, okay. So they open the door and let me in. Next morning, the captain calls me out. He goes, uh, I want you to see this. I go, okay. So I come out. He goes, Lou, listen, we love you here you you protect all the weak guys guys get are getting extorted, extorted or getting beat up you, the warden stone yeah, yeah no the, the captain
2: okay
0: he says you you do you you take care of guys you know you don't let them get hurt and stuff like that we like that i know a lot of guys are getting beat up for no reason and they're, they're extorting them for li- little things that they they don't have enough and they, they maybe they have a bag of coffee they want it they extort the guy they stab him. or they have a bunch of guys going in there and just take it he goes i take care of those guys he goes we know we know everything he goes. I just wanted to see, show you what happened. He goes. Because we like you here, we don't want nothing to happen to you. So look around you. Everything here is steel and concrete. You hit a guy with your with your left hook. He hits his head on that wall. It's concrete. Then hit or the bars. And then hits the concrete on the ground. He could be dead. Then what are you going to do? I go. I told you when I first came here, I would never hit nobody unless they hit me. I Didn't they me- have it on tape? Yeah they, pulled, yeah, they had that. He, no, he, showed they me, he showed me a video. I just want to show you something. Look at what you did. And he showed me. I, he's, I saw the guy hit me. He goes, I'm not saying nothing. Just watch the film. The guy hit me, and then I pulled his hair, and I punched him. He goes, 87% of his hair came out with that punch. You broke his cheekbone in his jaw. He swallowed seven of his teeth. And he cut his tongue that big. And he's in a coma. I go... Not. I go, I, I didn't I I didn't know. I go, he hit me and I didn't know if there was more guys. Yeah, what are you supposed I, to do? I just grabbed the first one and hit him and I was waiting for the next. He says to me, Lou, you didn't do nothing wrong. He goes, but you gotta stay here. I go, why am I gotta stay in the hole? He goes, right now you gotta stay here. We'll work it out. I said, okay. Three months later I called him, I said, I need to see the captain. Bring him here. So the captain comes. I go, hey, what's going on? When am I getting out of here? He goes, I'm afraid to let you out. I go, you're afraid for me? He goes, no, 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 no. I'm not afraid for you. I'm afraid for them. Because if some of them says something, you're going to put another one in a coma. He goes, oh, I'm afraid for them. He goes, I told you we like you. He goes, I'm going to make you the orderly here. I'm going to leave your cell open. You can walk around and you help the other guys do their laundry, help them out, bring the food if they, have, they want extra food. There's always extra food here. You can bring guys who are hungry. You can take care of them all. I go, I'll do that. And I made a library. I read over 900 books in a year I was there. But 900 books. All fiction, but I loved them. I, my brother would send me five, six books a week. What'd you like to read? I read everything I, Clancy wrote. Everything Clancy wrote. Yeah, that's wrote. great. I read, I read all James Patterson, mm. all the all the, the serial killer books. Yep. I read, um, there was a woman I read. I forget. But I read a lot. I read a lot of books. I read a lot of books, and they were always good. There was one good book, if you ever want to get a good book, one good book by a guy who became a knight in England. They, they knighted him. I forget his name right now, but he wrote a book called Honor Among Thieves. Honor Among Thieves. You want to get that book.
1: Okay. Well, I'm gonna hear you know, I'm gonna hear this later, so I don't need to write it down. But
0: you nine hundred books a year. Well, in about a year and a half I read. It. And then I then because so I was there two years. And he took me, I put I built a library. I got the he gave me the wood. And I built a library, shelves, and I put all the books on the shelves. So when I left the hall, the guys who came in could have books to read.
1: This know? is in Otisville?
0: Yeah, Otisville.
1: And so after
0: all this, then they move you? Then they move me. Why? Because the captain said, I'm going to I'm going to be the assistant warden at Coleman Low, Low facility. Do you want to go with me? I go, where's Coleman? Oh, Low security. Yeah, I go, I go where's Coleman? He said, Florida. Let's go. So I went with him. <laughs> And they gave me a job there is that uh, did you go to Lewisburg in between though yeah went to Lewisburg on the way i he went to Coleman on the plane I went to Lewisburg and then Coleman uh. but uh he uh gave me a job as an aerobic instructor i I just did uh, step aerobics I was <laughs> the, I, I devised the whole program and i he, he bought me how many steps do you need he bought them. and he gave me a thing with uh, the microphone and i and I had music
1: so you were the Russell Simmons of prison?
0: I was the Russell Simmons. I was making... So, Is that was, his name? I haired guy? Yeah, 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 yeah. I was doing so good. I was doing so good at, at the aerobic uh, thing that every time a senator or a congressman came through the prison, he would call me and say, Lou, I need to do a class. <laughs> and uh, I would do the class. And uh, I had I started getting fights because guys were losing weight and looking good from doing the class. But... Other guys, I, I had a list. Only so many guys could go on the list. So guys were fighting. Cross guys name will and put their name on. So they're having fistfights. So the captain called me down. He goes, you got to stop the fistfights or I'm going to cancel the class. Mm. That's ridiculous. That's your job to stop the fistfights. Not mine. I'm not a CO. So he goes, you got to stop the fistfights. So I, I, that night, I went back to my cell and I thought, and I said, I came back. I told him, I know how to stop it. He goes, how? Only guys six months to the door could take the class. <laughs> Six months to the door, you could take the class to lose the weight you gained while being in prison from eating all the fat foods and just not doing nothing. Now you could work your ass off and get thin and look good to go home. So do people, like,
1: I can see people sitting around not doing anything and not taking advantage of, like, going out and working out. Yeah. But, like, do they feed you a lot in
0: there? You can eat whatever you want.
1: No shit. Yeah. But it wasn't like in Spain. Spain was nice.
0: Spain, the the vegetable truck drove in the yard. You bought your own vegetables. Then the meat truck came in. You bought your own meat: lamb, chicken, fish, whatever you want. Steaks, could buy whatever you want.
1: Goddamn! So you were there. When did you get out? O two. Yeah, O two. You came back to Jersey, and then you got. So you got right back into boxing, though, because you were around it.
0: Well, I I got. I started to. uh, I got. uh, I got certified as a trainer when I was away. Yeah. yeah. So I went to work out at a gym in uh, when I was living in, in my apartment in New York. I have an apartment on 68th Street and 1st Avenue. Really? I've had it for 45 years. But my brother lives there now. So I was living there because that's the last known address they had before I left to Spain. So that's where that's where they made me live. And I went to a halfway house in the Bronx.
2: mm
0: but they said you got to get a job so i looked for gyms cuz i got certified so i found a gym in woodhaven queens took two subways and a bus to get there and i was working at the at the gym so i went downstairs one day to go to the bathroom and i turned the light on and i saw this big area i said oh my god i could put some bags in here and we could do some boxing in here i put a little ring so i talked to the owner tony i said tony we could do a little boxing in here really makes you know add some extra money profits to the gym he loved that. He said, Okay, you do it all? I go, Yeah, I'll do everything. I'll give you a list of what I want. So I listed it, they delivered it, we set it all up, and that place hit off like crazy. I was making so much money. I was charging eighty dollars a session. And then it went up to 120. 120 a session in New York. Damn. And it was all This is O two, O three,
1: O four.
0: Yeah, O two, O three. And I was killing it. I was making so much money. Then then one day i I walk into the gym and a big box comes. Has my name on it? I go, what the hell is this? So I open it up, and it's all new clothes, it's all all uh, workout clothes, you know, the newest stuff, the Nike. I go, goddamn! And there's a little letter in there, and I read it. It was from an old girlfriend. She goes, I heard you got out. I heard you're doing good. I just wanted to say happy birthday because my birthday was in two days. I just wanted to say happy birthday. So I called her, and I, because he had left the number there. I said, "Thank you so much. Happy, I can't believe you did that for me. It was really nice." She goes, "Oh, I want to see you." We ended up talking, and we got married. Oh, that was the fourth wife. <laughs> that was the fourth
1: one. Oh my God, that's and then,
0: hysterical. And then she started drinking, and I couldn't take it no more. She started drinking a bottle of wine to make mm. dinner, a bottle of wine with dinner, and a bottle of wine after dinner. And she got like, "Oh yeah," I said, "I can't do this. I'm done." <laughs>
1: Lou, you tell a story about as good as anyone who's been on here. We've been, I'm just looking at the clock now. I think we're like over three hours. I could talk with you all day, but I want to bring you back at some point. So there's a lot we didn't get to today that I'd love to cover with Anytime. you. But Anytime. This was awesome. Thank you for doing it so much.
0: Anytime, buddy. I, 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 as a matter of fact, it's not that bad of a drive.
1: No, it's not. So I tell you, like I, probably half my people come from New York. Half are from Philly. I've had like five or six from Miami. And, you know, that's that's been a diaspora. People from New York, they either drive down here or they take it to the train. I pick them up. We're over here. We get in. We're done. And, and that's it. It's, it's not too bad. But I appreciate you coming down a lot. It's it's great to see your face, your face that I saw like every day or not every day, <laughs> but several times a week for years before the pandemic. I haven't seen you. So it's good to catch up and looking forward to uh, being up there in, in Ray's place again soon. Oh, God, Love when you get to Ray's
0: right place, you're going to flip out. It's. I mean, it's really. And I hope that I could find space next to Ray, and open up next to him because it's really that that amazing. I mean, if, if if Ray stays where he is, and I open up, I don't think he'll let Carlos open up, because I don't think he, Carlos would survive with me there.
1: <laughs> well, you you got. I mean, you bring the whole history behind you too. People come. People come to train with you.
0: Yeah, I, I I I I like people. We I get along with a lot of people. We get yeah, you get. I, I get a client; they stay with me forever. Like Tom, remember Tom? Tom, Tom Raleigh, Riley, of course. I remember Tom Riley. Tom, just I love going, to have
1: Tom on. Actually, I don't know if he could do it though, because he's you know he works
0: in uh in in Connecticut now. Which company? Did Another drug company. It's not um, not Novartis.
1: Yep, no, no, not Novartis. He went somewhere. He went to Amgen right. right after that, right?
0: Then he went, now he's in another place up in Connecticut. He went to somewhere new. He has a brand new sports car he drives up and down. I met
1: him. Love that. He's, Tom Riley, for my money, is one of the best guys I've ever he met. He bought a beautiful house down
0: the shore. He's doing really good. I actually can't
1: believe he bought a sports car. I
0: like, couldn't believe it either.
1: He's the most, that guy, when he was, I look, he ran Global oncology financial planning for Novartis. I mean, he's not missing any meals. And he was driving a fucking Toyota. And I'm like, I love that. Like, he's driving like a seven year old Toyota. Guys listening to like TED talks on his way to work. And the best part about him is he comes in there and trains at six a.m. with you, and then fucking spars with a guy. We finish our work up at the same time. We're, our workout at the same time. We're talking. He go. He puts on his suit, goes across the street, and gives a speech to 150 people around the globe. Exactly. His, and i'm just like
0: god what a savage so
1: <laughs> i love i love the guys like that train with you and obviously like i had john schneider in here he loves you zach i mean you know zach came up through you and and doing everything he did there it's amazing to see what he's doing but i could talk with you all day man i i it's it's great to see you
0: it's great being we'll, here we'll, nice do, this, you we'll too. do
1: this again and I think everyone's going to enjoy this one because you tell a story uh, unbelievable.
0: I'm ready. I'm ready. I'll tell you some crazy stuff when I come
1: back. All right. We'll do it. We'll do it. Lou, love you. Thank you, sir. Love you more, buddy. Appreciate it. Everybody else, you know what it is. Give it a thought. Get back to me.